Welcome to episode 11 of the Triple Takeover Toycast, a regular podcast about Transformers and occasionally other vintage and related toy lines. Cue the panpipes as this episode sees us release the inner beast and take our first dive into the era of anti-grav racing, tomb raiding and flawless victories. That's right, it's the 90s and we're looking at the original Transformers Beast Wars toys. How bizarre. But before we get into it, let's meet my fellow Twisted Fire starters. He's refined, he's sublime, he makes you feel fine, he's ever so good. He's toy writer and photographer Liam from Toybox Soapbox. Well, this intro is a bit of Sweet Symphony, isn't it? Call him Mr. Raider, call him Mr. Vane. He knows what he wants and he wants it now. It's toy photographer, writer and YouTuber, Sixo. I legitimately do not know what to say to that. <laughs> what an intro, this is incredible. And I'm Maz, I do toy photos and writing as TF Square One. Lads, how are you doing? Great after that. This this is legitimately the best intro so far. It really, yeah, it does, I think I'm sure it all speaks, <laughs> it speaks to all of us, you know, that uh, sort of grew up in that particular era. It's uh, excellent stuff, mate. Well done. I had a lot to live up to. It makes me want, it makes me want to push pop. <laughs> oh, push pop. Wow. They were huge. As huge as Coca-Cola spinners in my school. You've, you've like, you've changed the style of the podcast now. I don't want to talk about Transformers. I want to talk about pogs. Can we do a podcast? <laughs> Star Wars Tazos. <laughs> yeah. So has anyone like bought any more toys as a result of this podcast this week, possibly? Uh not this week as a result of the podcast, I don't think. No, I think I've been pretty good on that score. Liam? Well, is that because you've already bought them? You've just bought them all. Oh yeah, see, no, I, knew, n- I knew no, that was nothing, coming. Nothing left. <laughs> That's very much not true. Did you not post pictures of Kiss Players Rodimus, literally today. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't buy that this week. I bought that ages <laughs> ago. It just it just turned up this week, that's all. But uh, yes, I did post pictures of that today. And uh, lovely thing it is as well. Nice to have it back in the fold. Mm-hmm. Was that the far-off past of last week that you bought it? Yeah. No, it was a good few. It's come from Japan. So it was a good It was a good couple of weeks ago, at least. I think maybe even three weeks ago I bought that. So, uh, yeah, no, no. July has been a relatively... Um, quiet month so far, I would say, but yeah, nothing all, certainly all nothing. Six days of it, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, six days of six. So uh, it's a long time. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like an advent calendar merch uh, idea for later this year. There you go. Six days that. of six. So you open it, you get just like little treats from Sixo's butler inside. <laughs> Maybe so. A little white spy changes. Yes. One little white glove. <laughs> all little blind bagged treats. That would be quite nice. Fabulous, brilliant. Yeah, we'll get on uh, that. I am. So happy to announce that I finally have the last bisque I needed for my collection. I thought you were going to say Super Fire Convoy there for a minute. I was uh, like, I was. He's dangling this, isn't he? <laughs> totally into that then. I was like, here we go. And then it's bisque. No, I mean, that's great, but, you know. I deliberately avoided asking you about this in the chat. So I thought, uh, we're going to talk about it. We've got to. <laughs> I had to get him out of the box, Super Fire Convoy. Normally, when I get. Um, like a a box arrives with stuff that I've been buying over a period of time and it arrives. I kind of really pace it out and leave the best till last, but I've been waiting 20 years to get that thing out of the box and roll it up and down on the floor. It's, um, it's amazing. Really. That vehicle mode is everything I hoped it would be. It's just sit and stare. It's wonderful. Did you have fun extending your ladder? Um, but you know, I should have witty responses ready for this kind of thing every episode, but I got nothing. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like you did from the pictures that you sent. Do you know what I mean? It looked like you were having the time of your life. So I was going to ask if the missiles were erect, but I feel like I'd be lowering the tone again. So I won't. I just want to know if he had to go and scream and do a pillow. That was all. <laughs> there were none handy. Ah, handy. Well, he says. Yeah. <laughs> 
Stop dear, it. Dear, oh dear. Bumper. In the beginning came the beasts, but nature lies. They're robots in disguise. I know back in 1996 and 97, I was writing songs in bad bands, playing Wipeout 2097 on the PlayStation and showing off my moves in Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 at Funland at the Trocadero in Piccadilly Circus. But what were you guys doing in 1996 and 1997 when Beast Wars came out? Oh, man. Um, I'm trying to think now. 96. So I would have been 14. Uh, I definitely had long hair at the time. Uh, I was in a band around that point. We weren't, we weren't very good. I think we thought we were going to be like the next, uh, you know, the next Nirvana or whatever. Um, I was playing bass at the time because uh, no no other bugger would play bass, you see. So and I was I was quite good at it. So I gave it a go. Um, yeah, we were called Mother Punker. There you go. That's a that's a name for you. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a long, long time ago. And uh, but I, I do remember getting into Beast Wars as well. But I'm sure we'll we'll get to all of that a little bit later. But yeah, what an era. What about you, Liam? What were you doing in 1996? I was really obsessed with football. So pretty much, was. if you could, if well, yeah. I'm quite fond of it still. Quite partial to the odd bit of football, as you might know currently. But um. Yeah, so if you could go back to any day from 1996, there's a chances are I was out somewhere playing football because it's pretty much all I did through this time. I was obsessed with everything football related. And of course, in the middle, oh, what, what was it? Was it last week or this week where it's the anniversary of one of the worst days of my life, which was the England-Germany semi-final in Euro 96. So uh, were either of you actually still, well, not maybe not still, but actually buying Transformers at this time? Uh, no, I very much wasn't, actually. I was, um, I mean, it, for me, Transformers had been a childhood thing, uh, but, you know, been, had been put away in the loft, I think, by that point. Uh, and it was very much done and dusted for me. Um, but I, I remember, actually, it wasn't even me that sort of got into Beast Wars to begin with. It was uh, it was a mate of mine that uh, had seen some of them, I think, in Woolworths. Uh, and then I remember going with him, I think, to an Argos to collect the Ultra Optimus Primal. And just seeing it and just being like, okay, that's that's kind of cool. That looks uh, that looks like a thing. I, I yeah, and I kind of remember seeing a couple more of them after that, and and that for me sort of got me sold on them quite quickly. So uh, yeah, and 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 just kind of got into them from there really. So uh, and it was just great. It, it was like, well, it's Beast Wars, isn't it? It was like something new but familiar at the same time. Yeah, I wasn't picking up any at all because at that time. It was so everything was football. It was football shirts, football stickers, football boots, different chimp, anything football related. That's all I was buying. Other than Star Wars stuff, I was occasionally picking up. Do you remember Action Fleet, which was around this time? Sort of these small Star Wars vehicles with tiny little figures. I think they did some no, Beast Wars no. on topic. I think they did like these little bases with tiny little. There's the one that turns into a killer whale or something. There is, yeah, that's Japanese though. Uh, to be yeah. fair, not ne- never released in this country or America or what have you. But yeah, there was. Yeah, it was all, everything was like micro machines, but slightly bigger, if that makes sense. It's all yeah. tiny little figures. So, yeah, it was either video games or stuff like that. But it was in 1996 where I did get the Transformers movie on VHS again. Ooh. So, right around that Christmas, I swapped it with a mate at school. So, that was pretty much the limit of my Transformers at that time. I think um, it's not too different for me, actually. It was mostly video games. It was like, it was end of Super Nintendo, start of PlayStation era for me. Yeah. Uh, football, obviously, because I was watching it and supporting. I think it was a lot of music for me as well. You know, like I said, I was in bad bands. You know, I think bands is stretching it. It was just me. I was um, <laughs> making music on Pro Tracker and Fast Tracker on the Amiga and 
I was uh, like, I took the four track home from uh, from our music department at school, and I was just recording at home. And I remember my dad used to be a, a sound engineer for for news, for like ABC, NBC, and stuff like that, big news channels. And uh, he he would sit there and help me record these songs. And as supportive as you try to be as a parent, I think he just felt he had to tell me, "You're terrible." So I think that's how bad I must have been for a generally supportive man <laughs> to have got to that point. But no, there was no Transformers in my life at that point either. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, it, as I say, it was a lot of music for me as well. It really, really was. That was kind of the big thing for me at the time. Definitely just literally any music I could hear or listen to, get my hands on, uh, playing music as well. Um, you know, I, I bought my second guitar, I think, when I was mm. 14 or 15. So it was around that time. Uh, but that was the first one that I bought myself. I remember saving up the money and going to Birmingham to buy it. Uh, and I still have it today. Uh, really, really fabulous thing. Uh, you know, so it, it was definitely music for me, uh, going to gigs and stuff like that and all of that as well. It was great fun. It's um, amazing but, how much music is a part of that time, isn't it? Because that's what yeah. I was doing that year as well, other than playing football and stuff. It was just buying CDs. So it was a lot of Wu-Tang and a lot of hip-hop and stuff like that. And and PlayStation is all these certain things, isn't it? Very, they're so attached to that time frame like yeah. i remember at that time i used to sit up playing like street fighter on the playstation every friday night and listen to the tim westwood rap show till like two in the morning just recording the tape whilst just playing street fighter from like eight in the evening till four in the morning yeah recording off the radio was definitely still a thing back then oh 100 yeah, ch- children have no idea no yeah. speaking of which um so i would imagine like around 1996 if uh, people who are in the hobby today uh, as far as Beast Wars is concerned, does that mean that they would have either been uh, people who were kids at the time, so this was their childhood TV show and childhood exposure to Transformers in stores and on TV, or they had never stopped collecting Transformers? Like a lot of collectors I've met, they never stopped collecting from their childhood, and they would have gone through like you know G two and uh, then Beast Wars. I was thinking about this the other day because I well I think one interesting fact actually that that is worth mentioning at this point was that Transformers did never stop and I think sometimes people phrase it like Beast Wars came out of nowhere after years of Transformers being dead and obviously that that maybe is true if you if you live in America but for the rest of the world there was no there was no break it was just continuous uh you know generation 1 uh, sorry generation 1 rolled right into generation 2 uh in certainly in all of Europe and then Generation 2 rolled straight into Beast Wars. So it was just one continuous thing. And this, obviously the toy line changed a lot, as we'll talk about. Um, but even then, you know, you can see the evolution from G2 to Beast Wars. So that's interesting in itself. But I, I was thinking the other day about this in preparation for this chat. And I think there are probably like very distinct categories of people and their reaction to Beast Wars and, and their kind of feeling for it is probably dictated by what category they fit into. Because I think you're right. There probably were old school G1 fans who loved G1 or grew up with G1, and then when Beast Wars came along, they just embraced it. And that's probably the category that I fall into. Mm-hmm. Then there were, no doubt, old-school G1 fans that when Beast Wars came along, they were either completely ambivalent to it or just skipped it by, or, as we know, hated it. <laughs> Which is, of yeah, course, going you know, <laughs> to be <laughs> talked about today, I'm sure. You know, the, the whole truck-not-monkey crowd and all of that clubber. Um, so, you know, there were those people as well. But then, of course, as you say, Matt, there will have been many, many, many Transformers fans who actually Beast Wars was their generation, just as there are now Transformers fans that grew up with the Unicron trilogy or the 2007 movie or whatever it is since. So, you know, and I think those fans actually that grew up with it as their childhood thing 
I think in many ways they are some of the most protective of Beast Wars. They're the they're the people that you see online now who really have I wouldn't say like the greatest love for it, but they they certainly are the most uh, defensive of it in some ways. You know, like if anybody slates Beast Wars, they're the first people to kind of jump in and, and sort of um, protect it a little bit, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, I think you've got all of these different categories of people, and I think their their feelings for Beast Wars is very much dictated about how they kind of came to it. Do you think the time plays a big part in that as well? Like if you look at now, every new iteration of Transforms that comes along. You click like on Facebook or on Twitter and you follow it forever and you're always, you know, up to date and it's always there in your face. Whereas back then you followed the cartoons and the adverts and stuff. And that was how you knew st- new stuff was coming out, wasn't it? And Beast Wars, uh, we'll probably get to this, but the cartoon was quite difficult to watch at times in the UK, wasn't it? So it, it's uh, it not quite as difficult. front and centre as G1 had been where it's adverts everywhere and comics and all that stuff. Whereas Beast Wars, I never yeah. saw it as round on quite the same level. So it, it's didn't really have the chance to grab my consciousness in the same way. I knew it was there, just it, I wasn't being hit with it at the same sort of rate. I think that's fair. Funny you should say that because uh, uh, my next question for you guys was what your first exposure to Beast Wars was. And I and I know my first exposure to Beast Wars was a TV advert. So it's that period of my life where I was maybe 16, 17 years old. I had forgotten about Transformers as something I would follow. And I was watching TV and I saw an advert for Beast Wars toys. And it must have been in the UK. And I distinctly remember this was an advert which included the toy Razor Claw. Uh, so it was a TV ad and it was just the way that the announcer said it in the advert, the voice actor. I've never been able to forget the way he said Razor Claw. You know, I've never, ever forgotten that. Wow. So, And it must have been Beast Wars because I realized it was marketed as Transformers Beast Wars. So it was like, oh, this toy line is still going on. But they're beasts now. And that was about as much attention as I gave. I remember telling my mate, hey, did you see that advert for Transformers on TV? It's all changed. But yeah, so how did you guys first come across it? Was it the cartoon? Well, as, as I say, for me, it was the toys, definitely. That was the, but that was, uh, so your Razor Claw advert, that would have been year two, if anything. That would have been around 97, I guess. Um, but yeah, for me, it was, as I say, wave, almost like wave one, as soon as they came out. I've no idea how my mate came across it at all. But that was very much my first exposure was him uh, actually going with him and him buying some of the toys and me just being like, whoa, what is this? You know, and and I think it just happened, uh, you know, it helped that it was Optimus Primal and such a great toy that it kind of sparked my interest a little bit as well. Uh, so, yeah, that was very much it for me. Um, I was going to say it's interesting, Liam, your, your point about the kind of saturation of it all and everything. So I think, yeah, it was really difficult to see on TV. I remember um, watching the first episode of the cartoon and taping it. Uh, on VHS, um, but I remember setting an alarm. It was it came on uh, whatever the the platform was. You know, it was on whatever channel of the four that we had at the time in the UK. It was on a particular kids platform on one of the channels. I can't remember which one. I think uh, it was ITV. I'm sure it was ITV. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Someone that's listening will will remember all of the details. I'm sure. But I remember it um, being advertised that it was going to come on, and I was super excited because it was you know obviously the only way you were going to get to see it. Uh, and then I missed the first maybe three or four minutes of it. I literally started watching from when the Axelon has just crashed, uh, and I was gutted. I remember just being like, oh, man, I can't believe I've missed it. Uh, and and I taped all of the episodes, and that was just how I had them for ages. Uh, it was on, you know, tape VHS uh, and trying to kind of find out when they were on. I remember the schedule was really shaky as well. It was like some weeks on, some weeks off. Uh, it was very, very hard to see. Um, so did that, you watch the whole series that way? 
mostly, yes, definitely up to some of season two. And then uh, I'm pretty sure I was trying to remember this, how I saw the rest of it, because I think either they stopped showing it or whatever. I can't remember. But I'm fairly certain that I bought a VHS recording from someone else to, with all of the episodes on. Which I know now sounds like mad. Like, what? Do you know what I mean? Like, someone recorded these episodes. Because, of course, it was this was a world pre-DVDs, pre-all mm-hmm. of that. You know, the, there was there was none of that. I mean, you were still... Do we even have CDs at the time? I don't think so. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Did we? What, we all, yeah. you, where were CDs? CDs are like the 90... 80s. Compact discs were introduced in 1985. Yeah. Whoa, okay. You blow my mind a little bit there. I always think of CDs as more of a kind of, uh, you know, turn of the millennium type type dealy but maybe they did go further back i, I think, think you'll just find that mini disc <laughs> well, right don't talk the, to me about your your future technology the greatest uh, but, format that never really existed <laughs> yeah but no, i i think it's because i have such uh fun memories of making mixtapes maybe that cassettes for me sort of mm. remained a thing for so oh, long, absolutely but. and they were absolutely a thing for me at the time as well cassettes and making mixtapes it's just yeah. inexplicably tied to mid teenage years early teenage years and and that 100%. 90s era especially yeah uh, but yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I bought a pre-recorded VHS of all of the episodes, um, and it had season three in there as well. Because I remember there was a huge gap in between for me watching the end of season one and then season three, massive gap. Like, I mean, a ridiculously long time. So for ages, I was, and I would, I had been aware of episode uh, season three of some of what had happened because I'd seen a teaser for it online, uh, which had blown my mind. But the thing I was also going to say, and this is quite worth mentioning is that Liam you mentioned that there wasn't kind of much uh way to find out about it this for me was also my first experience of reading about Transformers online really um other than looking up bits of G1 you had the internet uh, at this point. you know here and there uh yes at uh, not necessarily straight away not like when Beast Wars first began but at my school uh later so that would have been I mean, 98 probably by this point. Mm. So uh, we had the internet at my school and you could go on at lunchtime um, and, and check stuff. And I remember reading BWTF.com, Ben's World of Transformers, uh, Benson Yee, who of course is still around in the fandom today and a, a very, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know who who he is. Uh, and and God, I, I read that website pretty religiously, actually. Uh, and so even the, you know, the toys I didn't have, I would kind of see what they were about. Um, but I think he was one of many resources that were out there and you got to see a lot of the stuff that was upcoming. Actually, it would have been even before that. I'm saying that, but it was even maybe 97 because I remember in 97 seeing prototype pictures for Transmetal Scavenger that was released in 1998. And I remember that blew my mind and there was prototype pictures on the internet of Beast Wars second Galvatron as well, which can, again blew my mind. Uh, actually, grey resin prototype pictures. I was looking for them uh, again relatively recently, just to see if they were still out there, but they've gone. Uh, but yeah, the, so there was a lot, actually, quite a lot of Beast Wars activity uh, online, uh, even at that point. You know, um, the the store, the showrunners, uh, the story editors, and that they they were online hugely. You know, and hanging out in uh, forums and things. You know, things like Alt Toys, Transformers, and what have you. They they were very present in the fandom and talking to fans giving them insight on the show that kind of stuff so it was there was there was really i think actually beast wars had a huge online presence that's really interesting i 
had no idea about the fact that the showrunners were actually involved with the community. Mm. I mean, I, I got involved with uh, ATT alt, alt. Transformers probably around the year two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, something like that. I think back in ninety six, the only thing, the only access to the internet I had was occasionally going with my dad to Middlesex University and like popping on and sending an email to a friend in Australia every now and then. That was so novel. Yeah, really. Uh, but I like- think. Um, yeah, I, th- I remember there was a, like the odd band website I would look up as well at the time, but I don't remember looking at Transformers online until 1998 at university when I went. Uh, uh, see, for, I, the, for the longest time, I thought uh, BWTF was BeastWarsTransformers.com. It was only like not that many years ago that I, I realized it was you know Ben's world of Transformers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it was just a maybe a happenstance, but uh, yeah, I, it's funny because actually I had been on the internet much before that. I remember going on the internet. I'm man, yeah. It was a couple of years before that, at least, because it was pre Beast Wars. Because uh, my 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 mum uh, teaches or used to teach. She's retired now, but she used to teach IT. So that was you know computers and things were always a bit of a thing in our house. Um, in fact, I, I remember her telling me she'd been on the internet for the first time. You know, coming home and saying, "I surfed the web today," and and I was just like, "Whoa!" Oh, that I mean? phrase, like, surf the web, yeah, is so I know. its time as well. Wow. It was okay, yeah. just an exceptional. It was so exciting, just mail. the idea of that? the internet. You know, yeah, yeah it was and the whole dial-up noise and all of that, and you know, mm. dial-up modems. But that was it was just ridiculously exciting the idea of the internet whereas now you know agreed yeah. my, my boy is you know he's fully aware of the internet and you know he's internet in your pocket isn't it do you know what i mean it's just totally different how did you come across it liam first time uh beast wars for me i think the first time i must have saw it i think it would have been in woolworths and places like that i remember walking through and just seeing the transformers logo you remember because it's that sort of not just the Beast Wars bit, it was the Transformers bit of it that caught my eye because it's it's like that late 80s logo, isn't it? The sort of slanted one, but it was in green. But it And straight I was like, what, what on earth is this? And then it just caught my attention. Then I was looking at it going, animals, this will never catch on. And so, but, um, yeah, so I looked at them, but I didn't really get that involved in them because at that time I was more looking for Star Wars things. And then it was the cartoon. And it's like funny that Sixo was saying about how you know, it was awkward to find and stuff because I distinctly remember, not in one of my finest moments, but I got suspended from school for a, a few days. And one of the reasons I was quite happy with it was because I knew I could watch Beast Wars because it was on, I think it was on it was on ITV, but it was on in the daytime. You know, one of those shows like Good Morning or something like that. Yeah, and It was on great. in the non-holiday times. So it was great because I could just watch it through the week. So do you think that was specifically put on television for children who were suspended from school and they needed something to do to keep them out of further trouble was put Beast Wars on TV at that time? That was it. You need to learn about the anatomy of a purple-looking Barney Cyborg. Optimus Primal transforms with double cannons firing. T-Rex Megatron transforms with pulverizing claw and twin missile launcher. Okay, uh, one thing I think it would be good to start with actually dispelling a myth, and this is a uh, this is one that uh, I actually uh, fell for. Uh, I really I was only made aware of recently by you, Sixo, that I had heard that back in the day, um, Beast Wars had been in released by Hasbro in one was it Kenner at the time? I can't remember. It was Kenner uh, in one chain of stores in the US, and then uh, it was either KB or Kmart had gotten Machine Wars, and this was like an experiment to see which performed better before an animated series was created. But that's actually not true at all, is it? Uh, it's not true, yeah. And, and I did think that as well for the longest time, you know, the idea being that actually both 
toy lines were released simultaneously, uh, you know, with the idea of Hasbro stroke Kenner, you know, as you said, seeing which one did better. Uh, and that would be the the toy line that won out almost, or the one that got the TV show or whatever. Uh, the reality is not true for two distinct reasons. Number one, actually Machine Wars re- was released in 1997, which was the second year of Beast Wars. So Beast Wars was already um, a hit at that point. It was already established and doing well, um, and also was already on TV at that point. So it was, yeah, Machine Wars was a was actually, um, uh, if anything, a, an experiment to see if there was any appetite in, in almost going back to vehicle mode Transformers kind of on the side. You actually said that Beast Wars was a hit in the first year. Do you know how many times throughout the years I've heard people say that Beast Wars saved Transformers? Well, I think... Uh, I think that's true, isn't it? To some extent, I think the, the it was a real roll of the dice for them, but it was a bit of a you know G two had had fizzled out. It had not delivered the sales that I think they'd hoped. Uh, this is my understanding anyway, so I, you know I'm I'm fully happy to be wrong on some of the details or all of it or whatever. So, but this is certainly my understanding, having kind of read bits about it in the past, was that G two had fizzled out, and that was why it went to Kenner. You know, that's because they they'd newly acquired Kenner Hasbro. And it was a bit of a roll of the dice to be like, okay, we need to do something drastic to kind of re-energize this a little bit. And it was kind of a, let's give it to Kenner, let's see what it does. And if it doesn't work, maybe Transformers is over. And fortunately, it, it, you know, it um, found an audience. You said it saved Transformers, but we were talking about how Transformers had continued. It obviously been going down. So did it really save it or did it just kind of pull it back up a little bit and reignite well, some interest? I mean, is, isn't that the same as saving it in the respect that I think they weren't going to keep continuing it if it never did well? Uh, you know, G2, as I said, had, had fizzled off, I think. And, uh, you know, it, it was already kind of in the, in the state where they were like, okay, what do we do with this? Hence the completely different direction. So I think had Beast Wars not done well, I don't know that... It, I mean, maybe it would have been revived at some point. Who's to say? But it would have been a very different picture. Uh, you know, it's possible, I guess, that... They might have still made the movies at some point. I'm sure that you know we would have got a live-action Transformers film at some point. I mean, it's a bit like Ghostbusters or any of those properties that get revisited eventually, isn't it? Because they they sort of live on in the public consciousness too much. They're not going to be left alone forevermore. But certainly, I don't know that it would have continued much past 96, 97, uh, you know, all the way through. Whereas actually, what you've ended up with is an uninterrupted, uh, toy line you know transformers has never stopped since 1984 and i don't know that you would have got that without beast wars i think had beast wars not been a success i think there would have been a break at some point for sure so do you think it was on its deathbed then after g2 because it wasn't successful at all was it g2 now i was gonna say i just wonder if it was at that point where they were thinking they're gonna cancel it and maybe beast wars was like a final hail mary and it just worked out yeah, I think that's, that, as I say, I think that's exactly what it was. It was just, you know, that I don't think they, um, I think, you know, Beast Wars was a real kind of rip up the formula and see see what we do that's completely new. Uh, I don't know what the inspiration for doing animals was or why they thought that was going to be successful or any of that, but it was definitely a let's completely turn this on its head and, and do something just completely wild with it, pardon the pun. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, clearly it worked. Uh, but I think had they just continued to do um, machine transformers, I think you know there was definitely a worry from within Hasbro and Kenner that it was just going to die on its ass for sure. Because G two, as you say, had had really kind of not been as successful as I think they'd hoped. Regardless of what people think of Beast Wars, it really did need a refresh at that time, isn't it? Even if it wasn't for you, 
Transformers needed to be something different for a bit because to me, like I always think of R.I.D. as being the thing that revived Transformers because I was, and I think that's mostly because I was quite ambivalent to Beast Wars, so it didn't really catch much of my interest. So when R.I.D. came back, it felt like it came back with a bang, whereas with Beast Wars, it just kind of continued. It's like, oh, that's happening over there. And I just think it's... Yeah, well, actually, the interesting thing about R.I.D. is that the uh, the original plan was that they were going to continue with the Beast era because it was going to be trans-tech. So that was going to come after Beast Machines. So actually, the whole Beast era had proven, and Beast Machines had been, uh, you know, even Beast Machines, which I, I think had tailed off a bit, but I think it was still doing okay. Uh, you know, and that was actually why we got R.I.D. in the West because we weren't set, set to get it at all. That was a Takara thing in 2000. And the only reason we got R.I.D. here was because Hasbro at the last minute shelved the whole Transtech idea and then they needed something to kind of just literally have a toy line for one year in between the end of Beast Machines and Armada because otherwise there would have been a year with no product on the shelves. So that I remember the- those Transtech designs coming out into yeah. the fandom and, and the Cheetor especially. And uh, it just felt like something that was happening completely adjacent to my interests in Transformers. It was yeah. something that a lot of people were clearly really excited to see and were talking about. And, I, you know, they, those. it's very rare that concept drawings like that don't look cool. And uh, I just remember thinking how cool they looked. But again, it was um, it was so separate from from what my interest in Transformers was at the time. But I, think, I do recall yeah. that. That was such a, it's a touch point for me back in, back in the day. I think if you've not been on the, the kind of beast saga journey, if you like, if you'd not been there from, from Beast Wars, you know, if you'd not felt the love for Beast Wars, were you going to be into Beast Machines? I doubt many people got into Transformers because of Beast Machines. And then, you know, Beast Machines, as it were, already was quite a huge evolution from Beast Wars, and a lot of people that were fans of Beast Wars didn't like Beast Machines as well. <laughs> you know, so you've already kind of got people maybe falling off a bit at that point. Transtech, from what you know we've seen of it, the designs, was due to be another huge evolution in many ways again. Mm. And and I think taking it further away from kind of traditional Transformers, uh, you know, Beast Machines had caused tons of controversy with some of the story elements, some of the, the kind of the morphing style of transformation, uh, you know, bits of the whole organic thing lots of stuff in there that very traditional transformers fans hated with a burning passion and i think Transtech was another roll of the dice that was going to probably take it further away so it doesn't surprise me and to be honest looking at some of those designs now they don't feel very uh quote unquote transformers you know they feel like a real departure so it doesn't surprise me at the time if you'd not been on the beast wars journey that yeah it would have looked completely alien i'm sure taking a few steps back um, we were talking about Beast Wars being a success and uh, it reigniting interest in fans. Do you think the toy line was more responsible for that or the cartoon? I think that's a great question. I don't know, is the honest answer. My gut feeling is that the cartoon must have had a huge amount to do with it because um, definitely the cartoon was a route in for a lot of people. Uh, it's as a great said, cartoon. It's a phenomenal cartoon. I, You know, I... It's kind of become the classic now of people like, what's your favorite Transformers cartoon, your, your favorite Transformers show? And people say Beast Wars almost by default. And a lot of people will say animated now as well. Uh, some people might say, I don't know, Transformers Prime or whatever. But I, I can see why people still say Beast Wars. And mm-hmm. I would be hard pressed not to say Beast Wars, to be honest, because I just think that 
they did a great job with it. I think they did a fantastic job at making it completely new and establishing new characters in a new setting, something we've never seen before, but also tying it in heavily to the past. And I think the fact that it started as a new show, but quickly became a continuation of the same franchise history that we'd already seen, I think it's expertly done, honestly, the way it builds. I just watched, uh, well, I did a watch through with you guys. Do you remember? Like, uh, yeah. I think it was something like two, three years ago now. And I got all the way up to season three, past the agenda, past the, the start of season three. So I'd seen that connection to G1. And this is a show that for years, uh, I know Paul Hitchens had tried to get me to watch this show. He even lent me his DVDs and, you know, constantly said, have you watched them yet? I was like, I will, I will watch them. Uh, and I actually ended up watching um, episodes of Beast Machines before I'd ever seen Beast Wars because I think Beast Machines was out at a time where I was beginning to think I might enjoy watching Transformers on TV again, and that happened to be on TV. So I think um, had Beast Wars been a few years later, I think I would have maybe gotten into it at that point because it wasn't too much before Car Robots that I that I saw those Beast yeah. Machines episodes. But um, yeah, so I've just finished watching another Transformers series, the, the whole show, and I, and I really enjoyed it, but it, it was exactly what, what I expected it to be. And then I rewatched a few Beast Wars episodes last night, actually, like The Agenda, uh, The Trigger, Code of Hero, uh, Optimal Situation, uh, Other Voices. I watched all of those last night, Aftermath as well. And um, I remember the massive deal that everyone made of the agenda and code of hero to the point that when we watched them together in our watch through, I was like, I'm expected to think this is amazing and yeah, it's good, but I might have missed the significance. Whereas other beast wars episodes I'd really enjoyed, you know, some of them have been terrific, but having watched them last night and I watched code of hero again, uh, it, it really hit differently. I mean, it was, I was so impressed by that episode. I mean, the lines that Dinobot comes out with throughout that episode, I just, brilliant and it was such a fantastically made cartoon episode and even the agenda was just hooked like immediately and i'd forgotten like who turns up in that episode i I really thought that was earlier in the show so that was like haha yeah fab so yeah i I I can't wait to watch that all again and then finish season three as soon as i can because i enjoyed that so much last night that's really great to hear i actually remember that watch through that we did so well i remember i mean it's it was before those episodes of course but i remember the uh, was it the third one the web and there's a bit where mm, Cheetor yeah, falls asleep uh, right at the start and then has a dream and he's back on Cybertron. And there's a blink and you miss it one second clip of Starscream in his jet form. I remember watching it with you and you just kind of going, what? Is that Starscream? Yeah, yeah. You know, and because you didn't, I think, know. I think you, you had a vague notion that there was some connection to G1 at this point or you weren't. I'm not sure I did. You know, I, I'm really, I, I think I was just genuinely surprised at just how close to G1 it ended up being. And I'd managed to completely miss that information throughout all this time. And I think that says to me that it was the toys during those years that put me off being interested in Beast Wars because I don't think I ever had anything against the fiction or the idea of it. And watching it has been incredibly entertaining. But for every agenda, there seemed to be a, a low road you know, where the Rhinox fart episode. You know, yeah, like, yeah, there is Come that. on. And I actually forgotten how much slapstick there was, even in like huge the amount. agenda. Yeah, it's a huge amount. There, there, are, there are definite, some of the slapstick, I will say, like it does rub me a little bit the wrong way. It's not my, it's not my shtick. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a no. bit, there's um, there's an episode coming in the Fusors, uh, it's two-parter, and the, the end of the first part ends on a hugely serious note. You know, you've got like three or uh, three, 
Autobots, what am I on about? Maximals, you've got Dinobot, Cheetor, and Rattrap facing off against the whole of the Predacon army. And it ends on like a, how are they going to get out of this note? It's quite, you know, a bit of gravitas. And then the next episode starts and there's there's a bit of gravitas, but there's a huge amount of slapstick as well. You know, you've got characters bumping into each other and swapping heads, you know, eyes popping out, that kind of stuff. And and I remember even watching it for the first time, just being like, oh, no, no, don't do not do that, please. Do you know what I mean? Like, And, and I think occasionally the, the cartoon suffers from like a little like sort of jilted tonal shift, you know, where it mm. goes from being like uber serious to just like having a kind of comedic moment. And and it's still a kid's cartoon at the end of the day. So I guess you've got to expect that. But yeah, that would be definitely a criticism for me. And that's not me being like, I want it to be uber serious. Because I actually like a lot of the comedy that is in it. Mm. I think when it is funny and it works, it's hugely funny. And yeah. and even some of the slapstick elements I'm all for, I just think that they kind of need their place, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not quite junko in robots in disguise every episode having some kind of accident in her red car but i remember like the waspinator scenes and you know the the rat trap scenes but uh, i had actually forgotten how good the dialogue was in beast wars until i watched those episodes last night i mean it's it's such good dialogue it's so watchable it really is well that was uh, a lot of well that was larry dottilio and bob ford who who did all of the scripts everything and say they were hugely uh, involved with the community at the time as well, because I, I believe when they started writing it, they didn't know much about Transformers. They weren't. Um, again, I, I would need to double check this to be 100 percent sure. So, you know, if you are listening to this and I'm wrong, feel free to say. But I'm 95 percent certain that they didn't know much beyond a kind of passing knowledge of Transformers to begin with. So they started. They got the gig, started writing the show, and they had no intention to begin with of like making it this sequel essentially to Generation One. They just started writing it. Hence, why you get stuff like "Remember the Great War" in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, they I was just like because I watched that yesterday and I picked up on that straight away. I was like, I don't remember yeah. them introducing that stuff so early. Well, they they at that point they were just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? We'll throw this in. It doesn't impact our storyline that we're telling. But if you have been a fan of the original Transformers, then you'll get a cool kick out of it. You know, even the stuff like the Starscream appearance, you know, and I think it wasn't until they wrote Possession with where Starscream actually appears that they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to tie this in properly. You know, we're going to we're going to kind of make this a a sort of quasi sequel almost. Um, But yeah, those guys. Yeah. Well, and then uh, and then if anything, it sort of changes G1 continuity. It's kind of, you know. And there are bits, in a way, that happen in G1, like the arc moving and stuff like that, which are, you know, you see happen in, in Beast Wars, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, they were, they were all over the internet, those guys. And I, I remember, um, I never interacted with them, but I remember reading a lot of the kind of, you know, after the fact, a lot of the stuff that they'd written. Uh, and people were asking them about, you know, Dinobot speeches and things like this. And of course, it's all Shakespearean, you know, it's all like a lot of it is lifted uh either in part or whatever from you know from hamlet mostly uh but you know they they were having great fun with it you could tell and that by this point second season they were just like off they were like let's do this let's let's make this awesome and i think because of the first season having done well they've been given a lot more free reign as well Uh, and clearly they kind of found a bit of a you know a kind of niche with it which is you can see i think that whole um involvement of creators in the fandom is a thing that obviously people officially working for Transformers have have tried down the years. And I, I remember, I think it was actually Aaron Archer who joined TFW 2005 and as Orson. And, and there was like Orson's yes. world was a little partial 
forum within TFW 2005. That, that's why actually that 2007, I think it's Salvage, the toy from the movie, has uh, Orson written on the side of the toy. Yeah. I think some kind of callback to that. Uh, but yeah, and obviously then he left. Uh, you know, maybe it, it, he didn't think it was a good idea to stick around anymore. But to, to think that the writers were involved uh, with Hugely. the fact that's so awesome. That's why there are so many, and again, it's blink and you miss it stuff. There are so, so many nods to the fandom in the show. So mm. stuff like there's a bit where uh, Waspinator gets knocked on the head and calls himself Wonko the Sane and stuff right, like yeah. that. And they're, Wasn't they're that all... Ben Yee's uh, online tech? It was, yeah, 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 I believe. And uh, yeah, there, there are, but there are numerous, um, uh, there are numerous, there's one bit where, I can't remember whose name it is, but there's some. There's one fan that's called Sector something or other where Megatron's searching for something. I, I forget the name now. It's been so long since I've seen it. But there, there are lots of little uh, nods to fans. Their names are included in the show in one way or another. You know, whether it's written on something on the, on the side of a panel or actually said by one of the characters. So, and that was all because those guys were interacting with those fans and they were just like, okay, we'll throw them a, a little nod and just say thanks. Uh, and I think that's that's quite cool, uh, but I think it shows as well in the kind of the actual way that the show went. You know that they were kind of getting this uh, influence back as well, and I think that's mm. you know that's probably why it's so revered today. I always thought it was really clever how they jettisoned the pods, you know, from the Axelon at the start, and it gets around the G one cartoon problem of where did Red Alert turn up from and all of this. Yeah, and I just thought that was such a clever way to avoid that problem which plagues G1, doesn't it? All these characters just randomly show up with no rhyme or reason. It's just like they've always been there. But with Beast Wars, it was every time they needed a new toy or a character introduced, it just falls out the sky because you knew that's where it was all along. And it's there from the very first episode. I just think that's just and they're still using way. that mechanic in the 2007 movies and yeah, yeah. the ones that came subsequently. It's true. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was introduced in Beast Wars that, was, that has become part of Transformers lore. You know, stasis pods and all of that kind of stuff. Sparks. Uh, you know, Sparks. Yeah. Sparks is the obvious one. Sparks is the biggest one, if anything. You know, a lot of this stuff. But yeah, I agree. And also the kind of the, the limited setting, you know, having a, a, a limited number of characters in a cast versus G1, which was endless. And and I must admit, you know, I loved reading the original comic and having this huge cast of characters. I mean, it just felt like anybody could show up at any point. And that, that the world building and the universe of that G1 comic, especially, more more even than the cartoon, in my opinion, just felt awesome. But I also loved that they pared it down in Beast Wars and had this limited cast. And and I think that it what they did that I agree with you, Liam, that was very clever was that it created a lot of excitement. Anytime a pod landed, you know, it was like this real rush, we're gonna get a new character. And it it, it was good, definitely. It it also just removes that need for any kind of explanation or backstory of why they've suddenly showed up. It's just there they are. It's in the first episode and you know and it just continues for the show. So you know as well it's just always ticking away why where these are coming from. And it's like you were just saying there about the small cast. One of the things I actually, I'm not the biggest Beast Wars show fan, as you know, but one of the things I always appreciate is when characters show up and they go off, they do go off somewhere and you know they're around. And it's not like Generation One where Skids is here one minute and he just vanishes and you never see him again. Or Red Alert pops up in like two episodes, like 50 episodes apart or something with no, you know, it's just, oh, he's always in the background behind the camera or something. Whereas with Beast Wars, it would go to Tigertron and he's off doing something because. You know he wants to be off on his own. I was quite like that. I thought that was just, it's better storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think that there were no real loose ends in that show. There was nothing that, I mean, there were bits, you know, that kind of got more focus than others and whatever. But the, uh, thinking about it now, 
I'd struggle to say to you, oh, I don't know what happened to that. You know, like they introduced something and then it just went nowhere. Uh, Some of the alien stuff, I think, hangs together better than other bits. You know, I think some of the alien stuff, um, you can see in part that they were kind of writing it as they went, and that's fine. But overall, I think it's quite a cohesive show. I think it hangs together pretty well. I think the cast was so well written. Like if you, um, if, I remember on that watch through, I, I constantly referred to Cheetor as pointless cat. But for every <laughs> pointless cat episode he had, there was Rhinox demonstrating that he was the most capable Autobot or Maximal in the history of the race of transforming yeah, robots. True. There was nothing he couldn't do. And whatever he did, he did it better than anyone else. When he got angry and pulled out his Gatling guns, you know, it was over. He was the smartest of the lot, the most capable, the cool head. Whenever Primal wasn't there, he was in charge. It's just, what a character. And he's the one they gave flatulence to. And he's always like that though, isn't he, as well? That's kind of one of the things I was about to say was, is that I really appreciate it when shows have an internal consistency to them. So mm. everything makes sense within that world. And even the slapstick stuff in Beast Wars, it makes sense in that. Yep. Whereas G1 doesn't have that. It's a lot of very random stuff shows up, MacGuffins, all sorts of stuff that just... And sometimes it takes you out, doesn't it? Because you're like, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't back up all this other stuff that's happened. Mm. Whereas Beast Wars never really breaks that. Even when it gets weird, it's all still connected in a way where you're like, that could totally happen in whatever's going off here or character changes or whatever you're like yeah it makes sense because there's some reason for it there's always a reason and i appreciate yeah I, I would agree with that yeah i think the characters were exceptionally well defined and well rounded uh you know to the point where they did evolve over the over the seasons you know that you did see character evolution which was for transformers was was a novel concept because you know in g1 there was an element of of resetting you know most episodes there wasn't much in the way of story evolution you know of course you had the movie people died and then in season three it was a completely different scenario and then you know you've got characters like rodimus that i think got some growth in season three um of the original cartoon but i think really beast wars felt like the first time that you could honestly say these characters are evolving i mean you look at dinobot from season one episode one through to where he ended up that for me is is really good storytelling honestly and of course, good characters make people want to buy toys. It's a fact. You read, you, you're like if you're reading a comic and you're watching a cartoon and you start really falling in love with these characters, you start to really, you know, um, they mean something to you. It makes you want figures or, or at least people of our persuasion who end up collecting toys it makes you want toys of those figures. And I can totally see how that would work. I'll, you know, every time I've watched Beast Wars episodes, you know, consciously wanting to get into it, like like last night, I start thinking about the toys I want, the physical representation of that thing that I admire or that thing that I'm impressed by or my imagination is fired by. And, you know, I have to admit, I've been looking on eBay today at um, old uh, Optimus Primal, you know, the Transmetal. And I'll tell you what really sold it to me. And this is so me and ridiculous. Looking at the box in the top right corner, it says in Digiface font, electronic. And I was like, yes, that's for me. (laughs) <laughs> that's fantastic were you really looking at a trans yeah, yeah, yeah. optimus prime absolutely absolutely I, I totally think i'm going to end up with one of those and of that's course i've amazing. had the um optimus primal toy the ultra yeah we'll, we'll come on to that later yeah that's uh, amazing yeah. well i i you know i completely agree with you i think um the, those transmetal toys you know that was really when it when the cartoon kind of came into its own in terms of marrying with the toy line because a lot of the original cast um, you know, Dinobot is a good example, actually. The the Dinobot toy 
looks very very little like the the cartoon counterpart you know i mean even down to the head sculpt is nothing like it really uh you know he's got a faceplate on the toy for one thing two mighty beasts fused in one new beast wars fuse wars new figures each all different one thing that confused me learning about beast wars and uh, actually collecting Titans Return and Legends because they did uh, one release, I think it was through LG EX, and it was yes. uh, Primal as a bat and um, Megatron as a crocodile. So what was going on there then? <laughs> well, that was a two-pack. Uh, that was uh, that was one of the first toys that was released. Um, a lot of people think, or I've heard people see saying that it was the original Optimus Primal toy, but actually it would have been, I think, released concurrently with the Ultras as well. You know, so the the T Rex Megatron and the the Gorilla Ultra Optimus Primal. I believe they were well, they were certainly part of the same wave. Um, whether they were actually released on the same day or not, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so there was a two pack that was released, basic uh, flip changes. Um, I've done a video about them on my YouTube, um, and it's uh, yeah, Bat Optimus Primal and Crocodile Megatron. And uh, I think that there was some consideration that they were going to be the toys that were going to be in the cartoon originally. Mm. Uh, I know that it was in discussion at least. And then at There's some point... There's animation to support that, isn't there? Or am I just thinking of a toy advert? I genuinely, now that you say that, I'm like, I want to say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, I also don't want to put, you know, I don't want to say it so definitively when I, I would need to look it up to confirm, to be honest. But uh, I, I, know, I know it was mooted. I know there was some discussion around which do they go with. And I presume that... You know, Hasbro stroke Kenner said, "Do the larger toys." Mm. I would imagine would be the the, the logic there because they were the big toys of the first year. So, uh, the T Rex and, and the Gorilla. And wasn't the original name? And uh, tell me if I've dreamt this. Wasn't the original name Beasties? That was Canada. So okay, in, yeah. in Canada, the the TV show is known as Beasties. Uh, and you will still, you can always spot, <laughs> you, you, you can always spot a Canadian Beast Wars fan because they they will still refer to it as Beasties today. Uh, there's a Was lot the packaging, of... Did the packaging say Beasties as well? Because uh, I'm, I'm sure I've seen that logo, but maybe it was just from the Canadian uh, animation. I guess it must have done. I guess it must have done. I don't know. I've never seen... I don't think... I might be wrong in saying I think that it was still Beast Wars toy line. I could be wrong. I, pr- I know it was predominantly a cartoon thing, so I would need to double-check that. My knowledge of you know beast wars variants is is not is not up there <laughs> i mean i've got sort of a cursory knowledge of a lot of it but not uh, in any great detail packaging variants and stuff but um yeah no it was so you can it's funny i suppose now that some people still hang on to the beasties name uh, a little bit you know and are, are quite proud of it i think it's cool i can imagine growing up with it you know that for me that that roar that beast wars you know is really ingrained in my brain so i'm sure if you grew up with it shouting beasties you would be the same wouldn't you i'm pretty sure it's reast roars <laughs> certainly in your mind yes is that absolutely. by scooby doo <laughs> i think he was one of the first wave of toys wasn't he should have been you imagine now they do if they did beast wars now there could be like collaborative crossovers i mean not just <laughs> Not just Jurassic Park, but you know, right. Scooby Scooby Doo. You know, it'd be incredible. Well, can we just talk about the fact that Liam's dream has just come true? I know. That there is a Jurassic Park beast former official I, crossover. I was going to bring it up at the start when you asked me, and then the com- conversation moved, and I thought I'll save this for another day. But oh my I God. think I think Hasbro are bugging Liam's phone or something because honestly, I remember a conversation ages ago about um, what if they did you know potential jurassic park crossover what would it look like and there was some discussion about it being the jeep 
Uh, and, you know, because, of course, you've got your alternators repaint and what have oh, you. Yeah. You know, would it, would it be the Jeep and all of that? And I remember, I'm sure, you saying, oh, it'd be quite cool if they did one of the dinosaurs as well. And I swear someone in Hasbro is bugging your phone or something because these ideas don't just come out of nowhere. Do you know uh, what I mean? It's like they're literally catering to you. When it was leaked, everybody was saying the Jeep, but I just I just had this feeling it was going to be the Explorer. and that's and it, And it turned out to be. But what's even more amazing is that, I don't know if you saw, I put it on Twitter, but it's actually released or it will be delivered on my birthday. Oh, we so, saw it. Yeah. So it's I like think the they best timed it. Was you, you were out on a massive bender oh, the God, night that this was released. So we're all like, is this a joke? Like, is Liam like just not interested because he's just not online. He's not responding to this at all. And that's why I didn't quite believe that this was a thing. Was it a fan kit bash? In the morning, you must have got a slew of notifications. Oh my God. There was an amount of message I had on Twitter and WhatsApp that just said, have you died? Are you dead? And um, <laughs> somebody, had, somebody had tweeted me during the game. I going, oh, have you seen it? It's amazing. Isn't it? And all I'd replied with, yeah, Harry Kane's goal was amazing, wasn't it? So I must have misinterpreted what they said. But then when I was reading back, it turns out people had sent me pictures. So I must have looked at them and glanced away just for a second. And um, But yeah, the next morning, I was so confused. It was like I was discovering it for the very first time when... Yeah, whilst uh, cleaning up a lot of stuff that needed cleaning up, let's say that. <laughs> I, I just think it, the only way this could have been more catered to you is if the Jurassic Park Jeep was some kind of variant of R.I.D. Exploron and the, the dinosaur was like swoop somehow. That was something from that would have been the only way they could have catered it to you even further. I just can't, I can't believe they've done the Explorer because it's my favorite fictional vehicle of any kind. And for years, because it's Ford, they tend to just not do it they always just do the jeep which i love but you know you want the explorer and yeah they've done it which i've also just ordered that set and it's coming tomorrow you know i don't know i think we spoke about it before the mattel set where it's got the cracking in roof also comes with a t-rex mm. actually speaking of catering to fans and this whole um accuracy thing uh Sixo, you were saying how the second year of beast wars toys are so much more show accurate and actually, like one of the things I thought was really cool about the cartoon was how the, the cartoon animation models transformed like the toys. So it, yeah. and that was a really like the the way um, I can't remember who it is exactly, but sometimes during transformation, I think it's Primal. Like maybe he sort of does a half twirl as he's walking during it's the transformation. Primal. Yeah, 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 and, yeah which yeah. is fantastic because that toy is superb. But that first year of toys didn't look like the cartoon, but they did establish what has come to be known as like specific size classes in transformers releases right yeah they did it was the first yes it was the first um the first size classes ever because g1 g2 had never done that um and it was interesting because it was purely based on size not on uh parts count or any of the kind of other considerations that you get now so there was none of that discussion of like well why is rodimus or whatever size he is what is he a leader or whatever i can't remember commander Uh, commander commander yeah Yeah, cool Uh, honestly size classes it's it's like my Achilles heel of knowledge. People people ask me about size classes sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know. Honestly, I know the Beast Wars size classes by heart. You know, like that is is my territory. Anything after Beast Wars, I got no clue. I don't know what is is what. Why do they keep changing the names? You know, like it makes no sense to me. But uh, but yeah. So in Beast Wars, you had very simply basic, which started off as flip changes in year one, and then quickly in year two, they dropped the flip changer gimmick. But still, that was the smallest size. Uh, very, very tiny little toys. Uh, then you had Deluxe, sort of regular standard size, if you like. Uh, then you had Mega, a bit bigger. 
Uh, so stuff like Inferno and things like that. And then you had Ultra, which was the original Optimus Primal and Megatron, and then the Combiners and so on and so forth. And then they did one Super Toy, which was in uh, the third year, which was Optimal Optimus, uh, of course. And so, yeah, it was it was a new thing, but it's stuck ever since. It's not the only thing that Beast Wars introduced as a toy line, but it's it's definitely one of the most prevalent, I think. And the other would be like ball joints. Well, actually, ball joints have been around since G2. Wow. So... Even Rekgar in G1. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You had Cyberjets in G2 had a lot of ball joints, didn't they? Uh, there was Cyberjets. There was a, there was a couple of toys. I mean, even stuff like the um, even the laser rods. Is it Volt or Jolt? The little gold car that the GPS car. We'll just call them that. Yeah, the, the GPS car. Yeah. yeah, even the laser rods had um, had little ball joints and things to it. You know, to an extent, uh, not very good ones, but still. Uh, but yeah, so there were ball joints and more articulation in G2. Uh, I think what was different about G2 is that it was a real hodgepodge. So some toys had ball joints, some toys had this gimmick, that gimmick, that gimmick. You know, there was no real consistency with it. And, you know, I, this is coming from someone that loves G2, but it's not hard to see why it was a difficult toy line for people to kind of get into. Do you know what I mean? Because it was a real throw anything at it and see what sticks. Um, and, and, you know, the toys felt very disparate as a result. Whereas in Beast Wars, they took a lot of the stuff that had already been done and just made it, a, you know, a uniform part of the line. So it's ball joints as standard. Uh, so like the flip changer gimmick had been done previously. And obviously the uh, some of the toys that had been designed for G2 but not released were the flip changes that were later were then released in Machine Wars. And then R.I.D. and Robot Masters and, you know, like that Mirage toy and uh, all of those guys. Uh, that was Skidzy in um, in RID, and uh, yeah, so uh, the, you know the, those had already been designed, but there were other kind of flip changer gimmicks and things as well, and they just standardised that in Beast Wars. So it's just another example. So I think, uh, but there were new gimmicks as well. There was a lot of spring loaded stuff in Beast Wars first year. Uh, you know things like Megatron's little Ultra Megatron's got a little water pistol, water cannon thing, um, which I guess had been done sort of on some toys, but. Yeah, again, it was it was the incorporation of gimmicks as part of the toy line. I think that was quite new in that regard. I mean, that the gimmicks on Primal were just every bit of him seemed to have concealed some sort of gimmick. That's a that's a memory I have of that toy, and I don't think the version yeah. I had had the mask. It didn't have the mutant mask. I think it had lost that. But it's yeah, the swords in the in the wrists was it? Was in the legs? I can't remember. And the swords, the swords uh, stow away in his backpack, so that you can flip out the mutant mask. Will kind of unpeg. You know, you can take it off actually. Um, but yeah, the swords. Uh, he's got flip out shoulder mounted launchers, which then have got little missiles in them. And if you flip out the launchers, you can stow the swords away, uh, sort of in his backpack, uh, which is very cool. And then he's got um, his one arm splits apart, not quite like the show. Because in the show, it's like a pop-out arm cannon, and he has them in both. Uh, in On the toy, he's got one arm just literally separates out and becomes a gun, which is just the coolest thing ever. Um, and it's pretty menacing. And then the other hand has got a little pop-up compartment with a with like a skull mace weapon in it, uh, which is very cool as well. And actually that, you know, even that has been referenced since. I forget which um, the name of it, but one of the fossilizers in Kingdom, their head sculpt. I was going to say, is it Paleotrex? I, that was one, yeah. one of the one of my time. But yeah, that head sculpt is a reference to that original Optimus Primal toy because the the little mace weapon, the, the the skull of it, is now the skull of that fossilizer. That's the stuff I love about Beast Wars. Not to get to it already, but it's those like the weird stuff that doesn't sort of continue on, like the 
the mutant masks and the weird weapons like the mace and stuff. Stuff where it felt yeah. like it was it wasn't the Beast Wars it was gonna become a, or it has become. It's not like a its own thing. It just felt like this more I don't know, almost nineties, there's this kind of you know, like the gut gun for say for Cheetor and stuff like that. And there's just this different tone to it. Yeah, definitely. There was a bit of almost like not not like body horror, but there was a bit of that kind of shock element in the original yeah. In the first toy line, you know, the first, the uh, first year. Uh, that, I think that qualifies as body horror, that gut yeah. gun. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But, it, it's, but it's, it's so it's 90s, isn't it? It's so of that time, like the comics of the time as well, and the toys, it's all very... Hmm. Yeah. Know, there's not really been anything like it since that sort of hits that mark, I don't think. Yeah, the Mutant Masks is an interesting one. I, I must admit, I didn't miss it when it was dropped. Um, it was never a gimmick I was hugely keen on, to be completely honest. Uh, in fact, I remember on my Ultra Megatron actually taking the little because he's he's got this kind of mask that splits open and then they they end up sitting on either side of his head like bat ears almost and i actually took them off on mine i think because you could do that um same on like dinobot you know on a number of them you could kind of unpeg the masks uh, and i think i did do that on a number of my my toys back in the day um but you know some people loved it as well and it's kind of the mutant masks i think is one of those gimmicks that's kind of fondly remembered by many people just for being so weird you know just for being so out there um, Primals was probably one of the more successful, actually. I think on some of the smaller toys, like Rhinox and uh, on Dinobot, it was a little bit more clunky because it kind of impeded the main head. Um, yeah, whereas I was actually looking at Rhinoxes today, like before it's, it's this episode, and I was looking at it going, I couldn't tell which one was the right one at first. I was like, they're both green heads. It's very difficult to spot the difference. Yeah, Rhinox is a good example of one that they kind of, in many ways, took the the very basic design of for the cartoon but completely overhauled it really i mean the the details are just not there on the toy and that, and that's why those original toys those 96 toys uh from the cartoon have been re-released so many times because there's been numerous uh new versions of them to try and make them closer to the cartoon you know you've had optimus primal uh re-released with a remolded uh, gorilla face to try and make it more like the cartoon interpretation they've been repainted several times over you know the telemocha versions in in japan all of that and and it's purely because people want them to look more like they do in the show whereas then later the transmetals it's bang on already i mean yeah. stuff like optimus primal transmetal is is about as cartoon accurate as toys got at that stage i, I would struggle to i think it must have at the time been the most cartoon accurate toy of any transformer at that point i can't think there was anything in g1 that rivaled it it's kind of set that tone didn't it that we sort of adhere to now where all toys have to be as show accurate as possible it's kind of yeah it, it begins it here doesn't it really it, it really does it, i remember it feeling like a thrill i remember seeing the season two episodes having the transmetal toys and just being you know like mind blown about how close to the animation they were it was definitely a thrill it's, it makes such a big difference, doesn't it? And, and I just remember enjoying all of R.I.D. because of how show accurate or how toy accurate the animation was. And uh, it, it does make a difference. It's definitely, um, it kind of speaks to that connection that you have between wanting to own a physical representation of what you're seeing on screen and enjoying. It links those two worlds together. And it, I think that's something that's really at the core of our hobby and I think I remember Mark Belomo talking about this on the toys that made us like trying to explain to non-collectors, why do people collect toys of shows and movies and cartoons and franchises that they like to try to equate it to like, well, sports fans can buy replica gear uh, or they can buy the equipment that they're watching professionals use and then go and partake in the sport themselves. And this is sort of like 
well, we're not going to turn into pigs and, you know, go and fight an intergalactic war. They'll become but, a man in a pig. Right. You could wear a pig costume, man. Yeah. I totally could. and But we can own the toys. And that's why when they're closer to the animation, which I guess like you're saying, this uh, this element of Beast Wars was the first time that it was that good. And that... Uh, yeah. It's a big I think deal. For, for, for me, sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly now racking my brains through G1 trying to think of a, a toy that was prominent in the cartoon in any big way that was cartoon accurate. I mean, you, you had stuff like Action Masters and things like that that, that kind of retrospectively mm-hmm. tried to look a little bit more like the fiction but even then you know like action master megatron i guess comes pretty close to looking like the cartoon but i don't no know if i would count cannon. that necessarily yeah no, no fusion cannon yeah, yeah right. left off its uh, most important element <laughs> uh, i'm still sore about that but <laughs> i'm joking but you know there were definitely attempts at it but you know by and large they didn't really look much like the fiction even in the comics and whatever you know they were stylized um and simplified and whatever Hmm. so yeah it was a huge deal and 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 i think it's one thing you'll hear a lot of people talk about when they talk about the transmetal year especially is how close they came um you know and and it carried on i mean stuff like you know rampage uh Hmm. is a good example of another toy tarantulas you know you you showed that to me today and i was like that's fantastic that is actually a wonderful representation of that character it's beautiful. The, o- the only difference is the face, literally, because he's got two eyes instead of a visor. But uh, It gives you know, but- life to those toys as well, doesn't it, when you see them on screen moving about, mm-hmm. and then you can also pick them up. It's just, it adds something, doesn't it, like that? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, this, this shows you how accurate they were. I remember, uh, <laughs> even at whatever age I would have been, I mean, what, 90, so I would have been 15, 16, 16 maybe, I remember in my head, nitpicking transmetal rat trap because the backpack doesn't rotate in the same way as it does in the show so the wheels end up on the top of his backpack they're kind of on his bum uh he's got a bit of a big bum and i I remember at the time that wasn't like a big deal i still love the toy but i remember thinking oh man you know the the other toys are so accurate and this this guy look at it the backpack doesn't rotate that's like that's a real a real fail and uh so it just shows you that how quickly you kind of adapt to that um that feeling of cartoon accuracy. I, I remember being annoyed watching Transformers the movie that the G1 Hot Rod toy couldn't do that amazing arm twist that he does on Quintessa after he fixes Cup or just the way that he transforms on Lookout Mountain. Or, these... the, or the fact that it wasn't pink, maybe? Exactly. Thank you. Took the words right out of my mouth. It's the and that's a... So heartbreaking. But that, that's the thing. It's like watching cool robots on TV do cool stuff that appeals to you and you go, whoa, as a kid. You know, if the toys can accomplish that or come close to that visually, that's got to be a big part of its success. You know, and with Beast Wars having an excellent storyline, great cartoon, and then finally having toys that were fantastic representations, it has to be like two big pillars of why it was such a successful toy line and and did so much for Transformers. And in the case of Hot Rod, I think it's so egregious because they focus on it so much. You know, it's it's like almost the film slows down for a second to show you that transformation mm. it's almost like they're telling you this is how you transform your toy and then the toy is nothing like that and it mm. i think that's worse but beast wars it, does do it yeah beast wars does do it yes and you're right in that even the first year toys they transform very much like the toy even though the the details might differ in terms of the appearance they do by and large transform basically like the toys dinobot doesn't and a few of them don't mm. but um but yeah the optimus primal you're right that leg that um waist twist thing that he does uh i can even hear the noise of it you know the kind of good dunk as he's kind of walking around 
is is hugely representative of the show. I remember seeing that for the first time, that huge transformation sequence, and just being glued to the screen, like, what? You know, <laughs> what is going on? This is exceptional. Because you've just never seen transformations like it. And I think then, you know, looking forward to the more cartoon accurate toys, the transmetals and all of that you know, they, especially, you could see the way that they actually transformed on screen, again, was hugely accurate to the toys. They really had clearly sat with the toys and just kind of modeled them off that. Um, it's it's really interesting to see. I think it helps that it was CGI, surely. I mean, the, it was so kind of clean and, and all of that. Oh, my God. Can I just, I know, we didn't mention it earlier, but can I just say, now you're talking about transformation. In the show, one of the things I really love about it, not being a big Beast Wars fan, is how they were beginning to wonder in. about that, actually. I love it now, I'm all <laughs> over it. No, it's, you know, how they've got that thing where it's like the uh, energon in the atmosphere or whatever forces them to have to have the beast modes. It's, I it's love great. That so I love that, yeah. Uh, that's such a good feature. I wish I'd have brought that up earlier, but that's just such a cool idea. Just a neat little storytelling device. Well, it is, and it, but it also explains the whole concept of why they do it, you know, and, it, and yeah. it's almost like, uh, you know, the, they get to having animal modes within, what, the first five minutes of the first show, and it's it's not even questioned. It's just like we're going to have animal modes. Cool, boom, done. And it's like it doesn't need. I think that efficiency of storytelling is really quite impressive mm-hmm. because you know it. You could have had, or I'm thinking of you know other shows that have to go out of their way to explain those kind of concepts to the point where it's like a whole two part episode and you're just getting to the kind of established, um, you know, sort of equilibrium if you like of the show by the end of that first two parter. Whereas in Beast Wars. Literally, I mean, the first five minutes of that first show, boom, 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 established. You know, it's just done. Uh, and they kind of crack on with the good stuff. And I think it's really impressive. Yeah, and it's a great excuse to constantly reinforce the kids that these transform because they they are constantly transforming, which in modern fiction you don't see so much. Like in the comics, they're almost always robots and it's yeah. very rare. But in a lot of the cartoons, they do transform, but not at the same sort of rate they do in Beast Wars, I don't think. And it's And I think that's really good. It'll be interesting to see Kingdom. Obviously, the cartoon is coming up. We've just had the trailer. I haven't seen it yet, but the trailer, but uh, I'll probably watch it later. But um, one criticism I have of those Walking Cybertron cartoons. I I love it. it. I I have to say it. Why do the characters not transform on screen? I know it's budgetary and I know all of that reasoning, but I feel like it should be prioritized. And one thing I will say positively about beast wars is that they go out of their way to show you robots transforming it happens a lot and it's nice to see it uh no pun intended organically in the show uh whereas obviously you just have to look at uh car robots and robots in disguise when you know the whole transformation right. thing you just like you just sit back and look at your watch like when is this done you know when the whole crew want to change from car to robots like, oh, okay let's just uh let's just go and make a cuppa while this gets done yeah but yeah so I, I found it really good in in beast wars that was really nicely handled the whole thing i mean there's there's a bit of that isn't there at the start with the whole terrorize you know mm-hmm. and and you get whole particularly in the first episode you know you get the whole suite of them uh was it all like 10 characters all lining up and uh and doing it uh, i think maybe nine characters in that scene because there's no dinobot but um but the, I think, actually, I remember that being something that was discussed by uh, either Bob Ford or Larry Dottilio online, saying, we're going to phase out the Terrorize and Maximize in season two onwards. Mm. And you can see that they do over time, that you know it becomes less of a thing. They just um, say beast mode, don't they? Yeah, sometimes. Or even they just transform uh, a lot of the time. But, I was uh, fascinated to find that Dinobot had to repro- pro- reprogram himself to, say, Maximize, doesn't he? 
I was like, I didn't realize that. And it never clicked that it was such an important part of them transforming at the start. I just thought yeah. it was a thing they said for the sake of saying it, but it actually yeah, has no, a no, so it actually yeah, it actually has a reason. So, and then later, spoiler alert, Black Arachnia uh, does the same when she switches over to the Maximals, uh, which is cool as well. So that is legitimately a spoiler. I haven't got that far yet. Oops, sorry. But no, that's on me. It's only been like four years since I got to that part of season three. Like, so it was about, and I'm really looking forward to twenty four years. That I, I was yeah, going right, to say, it's, been, <laughs> it's <laughs> been more than twenty since the show. But yeah, and you you knew that she was a good guy at some point, right? Like, I didn't she... know she switched sides. I didn't right. actually know that. But, but obviously, I've I've seen the uh, transmetal black arachnia toy as well. So now I know. Yeah, you made the point in. Um, in a conversation we had before recording, that Black Arachnia was the first retail female Transformers character. Is that correct? She was not the first. Uh, well, technically not the first female Transformer because there was a there was a convention exclusive uh, Botcon Night, Night, Night Racer. Racer. Right? Yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the GoBot. Um, but if you don't count that, then yes, first retail release was Black Arachnia, first female Transformer for sure. Which is cool. And how do you think her depiction in the show holds up today? Man, I think it's a really tricky one. Um, I think that it's 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 a pro- it's a problematic look in many ways. I mean, even even the description of it, uh, you know, the the guys that designed it. Uh, all due respect to Mainframe, because I think, despite what people say, I do think that actually the animation is good. I think you know, there's a lot of critic uh, criticism of the animation, but um, uh, you know, they they outright said that they designed. Black Arachnia after a visit to a strip club, and that that was the inspiration for that character, and I and I think it shows because it's um you know there's a lot of uh, it's not necessarily in the best taste I would say um, I think it's it's a really difficult one now because kind of what do you do with it you know it's 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 a somewhat problematic depiction in some ways it's also an established character that people really like and there are. I know plenty of of women or you know or whatever that that really love that character as well. So honestly, I don't know what what the best answer is. You know, I've got the masterpiece toy of her. Plenty of people really like the Kingdom uh toy as well, and that is very close to the original animation and the original depiction, you know, with the uh, the chest and all of that. So I I don't know, man. I don't really know what the answer is these days. It's kind of one of those things where if I, I it would never be done today, would it? It would never be done now. And I think quite rightly, if that design was put into a children's cartoon now, people would have raised eyebrows about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow, back in the 90s, I guess it was more acceptable. I don't know. But then at the same time, you had Air Razor in the show as well, mm. who wasn't depicted in that fashion. No, and Air Razor felt, in many ways, like a much more, certainly visually, like a more kind of credible uh, depiction, I suppose, of, of what mm. you might imagine a, a female Transformer might look like in many regards. Um, but you know they did do a lot with Black Arachnia as a character as well. You know, mm-hmm. and, and despite whatever questions you know you might have about the appearance, it's got to be said. You know, they they treated that character with a lot of respect. Actually, I think mm-hmm. on the whole, uh, you know, she really got a lot of development, probably more than most characters by the end. Um, you know, there, there are whole episodes dedicated specifically towards uh, you know kind of moving her character on. Stuff like Bad Spark is an incredible episode really heavily focused on Black Arachnia and kind of evolving her from from just being like, you know, quote unquote, a bad girl or whatever. And mm. um, and I think I think where it started, probably the character, because in the early episodes, she does nothing. 
and probably it started in a bit of a weird place, but they, they made something good of it. Evil Waspinator changes from insect to high tech and puts the sting on Cheetor. But there's more to Cheetor than meets the eye. Under the skin lurks a robot within, with hidden weapons firing. All new Beast Wars, each sold separately. So one of the things that I noticed um, when I first joined the fandom and became aware that it was a space that I was sharing, not just with uh, G1 fans who were being nostalgic for that toy line, but also people who had enjoyed Beast Wars. And that was like a whole different side of the fiction. And I thought completely separate at the time, wrongly, uh, was the whole Truck Not Monkey movement, where there was an obvious group of people, uh, you know, and it still kind of persists to today where they wanted Transformers to remain as they were um, and not go through this massive change and become something completely different or organics almost. But one thing that has confused me is, you know, G1 had beast modes. You know, there were know. plenty of popular, fully accepted and enjoyed animal Transformers in G1. You know, you're talking about so Predacons, true. Dinobots, you know, these are well-celebrated uh, Transformers. So... It's been interesting for me to try and understand why I had similar feelings, not necessarily that it was wrong and shouldn't exist, but what it was about Beast Wars toys uh, that was initially not appealing to me. And I think one of the things I've noticed is that with things like Predacons and Dinobots and even Terracons, their transformed robot modes still look like mech robots. Mm. You know, uh, sure, there's animal features on them. But it's like they're not really walking on slightly transformed beast feet or things like that. Yes, you know, Scorponok's got big claws as his hands, but he's got robot feet. You know, he's got humanoid feet and features. But whereas you had um, all uh, the Beast Wars toys, for example, they were, you know, in their robot mode, didn't look to me like a mech robot. And I think that yeah. was one of the main things that didn't appeal to me. But uh, yeah. Do, so, do, what... do you mean like how, like with Megatron, for example, the the Ultra Toy, how like his robot mode feet are the same as his beast mode feet, for example? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I think that was where the the jarring occurred for me back in the day. Um, and it's interesting now how much watching and enjoying the cartoon has um, completely removed that as an as an obstacle for me. However, looking through that first year of Beast Wars toys that you were sharing with me today. That still same feeling is there for me. They're like, yes, you know, I love the characters, but those aren't toys that I want to own. And it's the same thing that has initially been an obstacle for me buying the Predacons in Robots in Disguise. You know, uh, like I didn't really want to go for Gaskunk, Slapper, and you know, Night Scream. Now I do. Um, so that that I think was my initial. Uh, obstacle to get over but that doesn't explain the whole truck not monkey movement so like, yeah. where did you guys first come across that what's your experience of of that fandom disparity for me it was quite much later i didn't i never realized it was a real big thing because at that time i'd been so ambivalent toward it i just kind of dismissed it as not really for me and so it wasn't until i really got to the internet like oh god whenever the dreamcast came out that was like the first time i really got on the internet and um and i remember looking and seeing like people really angry about it like the truck not monkey thing and i got I, I i was sort of with it to a degree of i wasn't really into beast wars so i kind of felt like i was but at the same time it was not anything to do with that it's just it wasn't for me so i wasn't bothered and yeah i think it was the first time i really experienced any kind of like vitriol or anything at transformers and it and it actually i remember it was another reason why for a little while i sort of just ignored transformers again because i saw it and went oh this is a bit too not really for me, this argument, lads. 
I'm gonna go back to Star Wars, <laughs> and and so yeah, yeah, because there are no arguments in Star Wars. Never, <laughs> no one argues in Star Wars. That's what I mean. Across the little digital highway, saw them arguing too, and went, you know what? Let's just play Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah, probably good. But, um, good call. Yeah, the truck not monkey thing. It it wasn't really until the early two thousands that that really became much of a thing for, in my world. Like I'd seen it and then chose to ignore it, and then after that, it was only when I got really back into Transformers that it became something. It's it's like I was saying about not having the internet. is It's very different because you're only not facing it. You you have your own opinions on things, then don't you? I think I I was definitely aware of it at the time, just you know, kind of seeing it, seeing things on the internet or whatever. But I wasn't sort of actively participating uh you know in user groups or whatever myself at that point so you know i didn't really kind of engage in it so i think it was just something i read about secondhand more than anything um but yeah i mean it was it was very it was a big thing huge thing lots of people hated beast wars hated it and you know what i can sort of like the points you're making Maz, when it's articulated like that i think it's it it kind of resonates you know and you can understand why people may have found it a bit jarring it was hugely different you know it was uh, it was never going to be for everybody. Uh, you know, it's not traditional Transformers in many ways, even though it's connected. And so it's it's not hard to see why people would have been maybe a little bit turned off by aspects of it, you know, if it's just the organic thing or whatever. I don't think it's, it's always logical, but you can sort of sympathize. I think the level to which it went and the whole truck not monkey thing was kind of mad. I think that it, you know, the level of anger that people kind of poured into it was a bit, was a, was a bit mad for sure. It's a, it's that core thing of I'm gonna make sure I'm extremely vocal about how much I dislike this because I want this dislike to spread, and I want it to become such a loud chorus of dislike that we ensure that nothing is ever again made that is not for me. Yeah. And the more and every time I see positivity about it, I am duty bound to combat that positivity with negativity about it to make sure that the positivity is never the overwhelming voice because that will ensure that this thing that's not for me will continue. And I always wonder like is that what's really going on in the heads of people who can't stop themselves from being disparaging about something that others are clearly enjoying? I honestly do not know and I say that honestly because I still I still have that question in my brain today because it still happens today. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It happens with Bayformers. It happens with multiple other aspects of the fandom, you know. And it's I'll be honest. I think it's kind of sad. It's like I don't say this very often because I do try and keep a positive spin on things. And you know, of course, like okay, I I sometimes get told online, "Oh, you're so positive about everything," and you know what? I'm not because. I mean, both of you know I have opinions on things. There are various things about Transformers I do not like, but I don't spend my time focusing on them. A lot of wrong opinions. You know? <laughs> right, sure. Probably. I'm sure that's true. But, you know, I don't spend my time uh, focusing on the aspects that I don't like. Do you know what I mean? There are, there are, there are definitely things um, about toys, about some cartoons, whatever, that I'm hugely critical of. But it's not really in my interest to spend my time on this earth focusing on the stuff that I don't like. It just seems like a bit... I mean, particularly not today, I would say. Back then, is a bit of a different era because Beast Wars was all it was. You know, that was mm-hmm. Transformers. Whereas now, God, I mean, if you don't like one aspect of Transformers, so what? You know, like there's so much that caters to you. We've never been more catered to as a fandom. So it just seems kind of mad to me. Like I get, you know, like with Bayformers, I get that people 
some people, a lot of people, were disappointed in the look of the the robots, or that you know, the the that they think the films are a bit crap, and you know, everyone thinks the films are a bit crap. Let's be honest; <laughs> even people that like the films can kind of acknowledge that they're, you know, whatever. But, but that's the same with any era of Transformers that you like. Yeah, I mean, even G oneers can look at G one and love it, but acknowledge what's naff about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, most can certainly. Yes, definitely. There are. You will always get some that defend yeah. it against all reason or whatever. Of course. But you know, even Beast Wars. Let's be fair. It has its goofy moments. It has. Mm-hmm. It has its moments where you're like, ooh, you know, that's not so good. But I think it's as you said, Maz. It's just this outright negativity of like, I'm going to do whatever I can, you know, against all odds to to let it be known that I don't like that thing. And and it's when you see people that do like that thing, whatever it is, Beast Wars, whatever, and other people are responding to them negatively about it. And it's like, no, 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 there's no need for that. Do you know what I mean? That that person's just off quietly enjoying themselves. You can just leave them be and just, you know, just skip by, just keep scrolling. You don't need to interact here. Uh, and, think- and that I do find weird. No, I was say, do you think at the core of this is just a great sort of sense that there are a lot of people that, can't handle disappointment but they don't know how to deal with it or quantify it so the automatic reaction is negativity like that like i know from myself i remember oh there's there's been things where i've seen it for the first time at all and i've gone oh i don't like that and so my first response is just something negative and you don't catch yourself doing it until you're like oh why did i respond like that because really i just don't have to buy it and i never have to look at it and it, it doesn't really matter but that's how I think it comes out, doesn't it? People yes. are disappointed. This isn't what they want, like you were saying, Maz. This isn't exactly what they want. And so they they want it gone. But it's just they don't realise you can just walk, walk on by. You can buy something else. And the stuff you like still exists. Because in Beast Wars' case, they're different characters. They aren't Optimus Prime and that Megatron. And it's that's fictionally in the show. But people don't see that because it's so different. So they just go straight to that. And it's that initial disappointment of, this isn't what yeah. I remember. This isn't exactly what I want. So I'm going to stamp my feet until somebody listens. It, it's and weird. It's, I get it's exactly what I want. This is it. It doesn't change it. It doesn't change the Transformers that you grew up with. You know, it doesn't change Optimus Prime being a truck. You know, Optimus Prime will always be a truck in many people's eyes. You know, even when he's a car or a shoe or whatever else he is. You know what I mean? He's but still a truck in Beast Wars as well, though. I mean, Optimus Prime. Is well, that's still the a thing. He in appears Beast in the cartoon yeah. as a truck. So that's like, what's your problem? You know, it's. A, <laughs> oh, it's You've it's assumed so they've taken the time to see what Beast Wars is about, yeah, to know not. that. As we all know, they've read the TF wiki from top to bottom. <laughs> well, well, this would have been me for, for many years, you know, not actually bothering to watch and and realize that this is actually G1. You know, it, Optimus Prime yeah. is in this. You know, Ravage yeah. is in this. Megatron is in this. You know, Starscream. Um, yeah, but the thing is, like, I wonder if it was also symptomatic of being a certain number of years after G1. Yes. And so a, a majority of people who weren't maybe super invested in, in the community and the maintenance of a healthy community reaching a certain age and vocalizing things in a certain way because it had been a certain amount of time since their nostalgia. And I remember being 16, 17, 18, 19 years old getting back into Transformers and thinking the only way to enjoy this was to go backwards in time and find old toys. I mean, who would have believed you that 20 years on from that point, you would have had every single wish of your G1 Transformers fantasy fulfilled and catered to? Impossible. Power dashes. dashes. That's that's the kind of insane (laughs) level we are I know. 
Well, even even now, I mean, the, the fact that actually Beast Wars is making a comeback, do you know what I mean? And, and I think that that's weird in itself. And I think you're seeing some of history repeating itself in that oh, yes. way. Do you oh, know what I mean? Yes. Where, where now you've got Rise of the Beasts right. uh, coming up. And I think this is fascinating because let's be honest, you know, you've gotten, you've now got hardcore Beast Wars fans that either grew up with it or have adopted it since, whatever the case may be, who are now displeased by some of the choices that we're already seeing being made for Rise of the Beasts. I'm, of course, talking about Ron Perlman being cast as Optimus Primal, being being a, a polarizing thing. You know, I've seen a lot of people being super positive about it. I've seen a lot of people really hating that decision. And I think that's fascinating because... I, again, I kind of get it. I understand that you grew up with it or you love it and you want Gary Chalk as Opt- as Optimus Primal. You know, that's how you associate the character. But at the same time, you know, all of this, and, and I say this of G1 as well, it's all going to change. You know, the the whole series is about change. And I think it's, it's always going to evolve. I don't think that you can hang on so preciously to the stuff from your childhood and and want to keep it in this like little protective sealed bubble i don't think that's how it works but at the same time the fact that it does evolve and does change it doesn't alter what your childhood was about you know you've still got the old beast wars cartoon you've still got the old generation one cartoon you've still got the 1986 movie and whatever bit you grew up with but i think the fact that we are getting a live action film of beast wars i think is a huge positive you know and i think maybe it won't there are going to be way more changes beyond just the voice actor, let's be fair. And there are going to be things that people don't want to see. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, we've seen uh, kind of some of the the character list and things like that. There are definitely going to be characters in that that are unrecognizable from their original Beast Wars depiction. You know, it's Primal's not... Primal's going to be a stoner, isn't he? Let, let, <laughs> let's, just, let's just get there right now. It, it, I think so. I, I read something about it that I thought was interesting because someone was saying... Um, you know, obviously in the original cartoon, he's a fairly new captain. You know, he's a young a young captain. Whereas clearly if they've uh, got someone like Ron Perlman doing it, you know, the implication is that he's going to be a bit more kind of gruff and world-weary. And so, it's, you know, it's going to be a different character. But in the same way that movie versus Optimus Prime is totally different from G1 and whatever, and, you know, maybe no one will ever get to see their childhood replicated with 100% accuracy in live action. Maybe that's not what we're due to get. But we'll get something new and different, and it'll keep the franchise moving, and it'll inject a whole lot of cash and into the franchise as well, which in turn then gives us stuff like Masterpiece Transformers, which are hugely G1 faithful and Beast Wars faithful, and now Kingdom Toys, which are hugely faithful in many ways so i just think you 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 can sniff at this stuff and nitpick it over the details of what the the kind of new people bringing this fiction to life are putting into it but at the same time you have to acknowledge the positive impact that it has on the franchise as a whole it's fascinating to me because it feels like it was only like two years ago like you'd get beast wars fans saying i just want something of beast wars i just want some beast wars love Whereas now, like Maz was saying, like you're so spoiled as a G1 fan, you have everything, and you can sort of start feeling that creeping in with the Beast Wars now because mm. they're looking at a, a live action Beast Wars movie and going, "Let's start." They started a petition about a voice actor in a live action Beast Wars movie. This is I, it, it's just an world. element of fandom, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah, you remember but, I mean, it's so these... far removed from what we've been used to for like the last twenty years, isn't it? For Beast Wars, but, fans. but even two thousand and seven was. What fourteen years ago? Yeah, 
And even then, um, okay, we'd had G1 reissues and we'd had a few masterpieces, but, you know, masterpiece hadn't taken off the way it is now. When that movie came out, there was very distinctly some of us who thought, this is great and I can't wait to see where this goes because Transformers are on the big screen as live action. Um, And there were people who just couldn't get past the fact that those characters didn't look the way they used to and they were more alien and they could never get on board with the aesthetic or the storytelling in the movies, assuming there was some. But now it's a world where there have been live action Transformers movies. And what is it, like six now up to this point? And now they're getting the movie that uh, belongs to their childhood Transformers. And it's almost like there's more license to be unhappy about it. But I, think I, I don't that, know if maybe that's the that's the feeling. Do you not think that says something, though, that really we're all the same, no matter what era of Transformers fan you are? Because like, for years, it's kind of always been that G1 fans don't like change or anything like that. They won't have anything. And it was always coming from like a very Beast Wars onwards place, wasn't it? It was always, but we'll happily accept anything. But now it's happening to Beast Wars fans. They're reacting in exactly the same way to this sort of anger and outrage over something that really if it's good they won't notice and it's going to bring in more people because more people know who ron perlman is than gary jork Mm. and that's what i mean and it's you're kind of seeing that and we've seen it with movie fans when things have happened in the studio series when they moved to 86 people were like get that out of my studio series and it's like it's really transformers fans we're all just the same we have yeah. and it doesn't matter what era you're from i think you're right and it's as mad said it's it's a, it's symptomatic of fandom as, yeah. as well isn't it and it's just people being protective of the bit that they grew up with and and i can understand that i can understand why people are protective i can understand why people want that to look like what they're familiar with and, and well we invented else. that as g1ers didn't we that we, we did we did yeah absolutely we did it's um, the worst legacy to pass on right i i, I just think I don't know. I, we've all we've all had it at some point. I just think if you want to enjoy this franchise beyond your own little corner that you grew up with, you've got to accept that it evolves and it changes hugely and that it's never going to look 100% like it used to at whatever point for you is kind of the sweet spot. And 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 that's okay. You know, it, it's it's not always going to be good. Some of it's going to be a bit crap (laughs) but but that but that's okay because now we're in the 30 whatever year we are you know kind of slowly approaching its 40th year and it's still going and i think that you know that beast wars is a hugely important part of that and those fans are a hugely important part of this fandom as well Uh, you know i hope they enjoy what they see on the screen when it Mm. arrives what is it next year or whatever i really really hope that even even the people now that are like I, I, feel, I feel for them that they're upset about Gary Chalk and I can understand why. I think it, it could have been a really nice nod and I get that, you know, Peter Cullen was in the in the first film and all of the logic of it. But I also hope that they can get on board with it and enjoy what they are delivered, e- even if it looks nothing like what they remember. I just, uh, that would be my hope. Speaking of Beast Wars and legacies, let's talk about how this line of toys had a transforming effect on all the toys that came afterwards and all the subsequent toy lines and eras of toys that came afterwards, starting with um, R.I.D. and Car Robots. Like If I speak of my own experience, buying the Car Brothers as my first R.I.D. toys 
in the packaging, it looks like G1. It's um, a Lamborghini. It's a Dodge Viper. It's a it's an SUV in in, in X Brawn. And then I transform them, and I experienced something I'd never experienced in Transformers. You know, all those ball joints. Looking at Prowl standing on what looked like really skinny humanoid feet and legs, the same as Sideburn. You know, they didn't have big, chunky, solid legs like all the Transformers I collected had. This was obviously something that was inherited from what came afterwards. So it was like an amalgamation of of what had come before. And, and that was, I guess, a result of following everything that Beast Wars did. Yeah, it was th- those toys, especially those three uh, brothers, car robot brothers, are like Beast Wars toys turning into cars, 100%. Mm. They, they absolutely are. You know, if you look at something like, I'm looking at him now, Super uh, super Sideburn, uh, or Speed Breaker, uh, rather, um, it transforms exactly like a, like a l- later day, uh, latter day Beast Wars toy would, you know, kind of Transmetal 2 or whatever. Just the, the asymmetry of it is also hugely kind of representative of where the Beast Wars toy line had gone, you know, particularly mm-hmm. in its last year with Transmetal 2s, uh, very, you know, asymmetry. The idea of that in G1 is kind of mad. I mean, uh, other than the odd kind of little bit of molded detail, you know, on stuff like maybe on like Nightbeat's chest and things like this, you know, G1 Transformers are symmetrical. That's kind mm-hmm. of the look that they have, by and large, anyway. Uh, someone now is going to be like, oh, not this one or not that one. But, you know, <laughs> generally speaking. I, I was just um, thinking of Sure Shot's chest <laughs> since you mentioned it. We told it. those right. to X6OTF. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Send me your examples of asymmetrical G1 Transformers, please. <laughs> <laughs> At me. Uh, no, please don't. But, you know, but it was a, it was a definite change in that regard. And that, yeah, I think that is from Beast Wars. But it's, I can imagine if you had never been into Beast Wars toys, it and, you know, or G2 even, it would feel like a huge leap from G1 oh, did, to yeah. RID. Just that um, massive rear end of Prowl on his arm or the whole bonnet of x on his other arm. And then you just have to look at Beast Wars Megatron and you begin to see like wh- where that was birthed. Yes, uh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Well, there's, there's numerous examples, isn't there? I mean, a lot of Beast Wars toys, uh, particularly some... Let's say particularly some of the Japanese ones. I'm thinking of stuff like Big Convoy now, but they they can be quite shell formery. And there's no doubt that you know, like again, Speedbreaker is is a bit of a shell former for sure. Man know, in car. Of, yeah, it's man in car for sure. It's man in car. Um, you know, whereas actually there are Beast Wars toys where the beast bits are a bit more integrated, but certainly shell formering was was an aspect of that toy line. A lot a lot of the time was kind of like the animal unfolds to reveal kind of a skinny robot in 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 the middle yeah i think that's probably what i had um the the most jarring effect on me when i was looking at those toys it was that you know it wasn't like looking at uh, g1 razor claw or something like that it was um, right it was that very different aesthetic that you're describing so maybe maybe that's it for a lot of people then because i mean it's easy to understand because they don't look like the same toy line they don't look like the same toys and that aesthetic was so different and maybe if they'd just been like g1 transformers but been organic maybe people would have would have been more into it i don't know you know we're speaking about the shell formery aspect then just as six over saying and uh, one of the things i love about rid is it it does feel like that doesn't it like he was saying it's like a man in a shell almost it's like it unfolds and it's very much like in beast wars like we were just talking about how in the cartoon it feels like the organic skin is a shell it's like a shield and I always got that impression from the Car Brothers. It's exactly the same. It's like there's a robot hidden in there rather than like with G1 where the Datsuns, the chest is the front of the car. The legs are the windows. And 
that was always so jarring about R.I.D. And it's always amazed me that I was never that keen on Beast Wars at the time, but I loved R.I.D. straight away. And when we talk about it now, you see that link. But at the time, the things I love about R.I.D. or love then about R.I.D. I didn't like about Beast Wars because I never connected to them. And it's, it's just completely different. Who, who knows then? Maybe it's a personal thing, you know, why some people don't like it. And maybe there are multiple aspects. It's hard to say. I don't know. It's it's what I find interesting, actually, and not to dwell on this too much because we've already kind of talked about it a bit, you know, the whole the whole kind of anti-Beast War sentiment that is still out there. What I did find fascinating is that I read a post on, I think it was on Twitter recently, just a couple of weeks ago, from someone who did the whole no man, you know Optimus Prime has got to be a truck, not a monkey, or whatever. And it, and it was a it was a legitimate truck, not monkey post. You know, it was it was like as it was like being you know back in the nineties. And uh, what was funny was that the dude posting it, uh, he, he put I know what he put. He put uh, Optimus Prime's always been a truck and always should be, or something like that. And then uh, I checked his profile, and he was like twenty years old or something. I forget, but literally like eighteen or twenty. And it was like, hang on a minute, mate. <laughs> Beast Wars was around long before you. Do you know what I mean? So you've you've known that Optimus Prime, you've known the the whole Beast Wars thing is a thing your entire existence on this planet. So where does it come from then? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> where the people that grow up in a world where Beast Wars already exists, how do they choose that it's something that they don't like? I, that I found fascinating. And and again, it's not me, you know, knocking this dude or any of that. Fine, if that's your opinion, fair enough. But it just seemed fascinating to me, the kind of strength of voice, uh, the strength of dislike, if you will, against Beast Wars from someone that, you know, they, it wasn't like they they had this, oh, that's my old Transformers and now you're, you know, um, you're going against it. Do you know what I mean? It was just very weird. Yeah. It is. It is an opinion, but like you said there, it's often just, it's almost underpinned with like nonsense and falsehoods. Like you said there, Optimus has always been a truck. He's like, no, he hasn't. Yeah, he, he's been a dragon, <laughs> all sorts. You know, lots of random things like that, and it's just that kind of very stuck in a mindset. Nope, it has to only be this, despite the overwhelming evidence of it not only being that. Right. I just, I just thought it was interesting because it occurred to me that it it must be like a learned thing. You know, that yeah. people. It's not like people just I don't know. One day they're like, oh, I hate Beast Wars. You know, it's like, or whatever it is. It's almost like. Maybe it's what you said, Maz, that element of fandom that teaches people to be a bit like that. I don't know. Um, but it, it is really interesting. Beast Wars cops some of the worst of it in Transformers, I think, which is just a shame. Yeah. And it's amazing how how little that's justified when you actually dissect the toy line and you mm. dissect the the fiction and how much of it still holds up today. And when you see how, you know, apologies for using the word synergy, but how much of that there is in toy and media. So speaking of toys, why don't we move on to talking about uh, the second and third year of Beast Wars toys, things like Fusors and Transmetals. Because yes. uh, I, I seem to have an amazing effect on making Transmetals disintegrate. And that oh, was man. obviously a problem with some of them, wasn't it? Maz breaking stuff? What? This is breaking Ma- news. Maz has the ability to break toys by mental command. Did you know? He, just, he can do it from across the room. Oh my god! That's Can you we admitting have that it was you. That that's you telling me it was you that broke it. That's you admitting. No, right? no, no. I was holding it. This was a toy that I'd owned since the nineties. You know that that had never broken ever, and I was enthusiastically going to show you. And then somehow you used your your maybe it was your your voice. I don't know the kind of shockwave, 
but uh, it was uh, it was incredible. Honestly, I've never seen a toy shatter like that as soon as you walked in the room. It was absolutely amazing. But what's interesting is that you were telling me that that Transmetal Megatron doesn't, the Takara version doesn't shatter that way. No, it doesn't. I have the, the Takara version now. Um, and yes, it's fine. Uh, I, I was aware of that already because it was one of those things doing the rounds at the time. Oh, the Takara version, you know, from the far off land of Japan is, is apparently okay. Um, I don't even think actually, to be fair, that GPS or all of that uh, was really a such a prevalent thing back then. But interestingly, actually, I say that it's not even GPS, I don't think, with that toy. It's um, it's just duff plastic uh, at the waist. But um, but yeah, it, it, the, there was a lot of... Um, I don't think a lot of problems with the Beast Wars toy line. There were some elements at that time. I mean, the, the, the one that is still a problem is flaky chrome on a lot of the transmetals, uh, which is annoying. I remember my original Rat Trap uh, transmetal having you know quite bad flaking chrome uh, stuff like ramulus is really well known for it transmetal too uh you know for having flaky chrome so there are a couple for sure um i i must get around to kind of you know putting a bit of um furniture polish or something just kind of doing that old trick on some of my transmetals just to keep them looking nice uh you know one of these days um but yeah absolutely fantastic that third year of beast wars toys I think is amazing. Honestly, I think the Transmetal toys, generally speaking, are excellent. Fusors was a weird one. Uh, there's some really like, I think some of the more out there designs from Beast Wars are Fusors, uh, you know, because there's like, they start mixing two animals together. And, you know, obviously there were two of them in the show, but beyond mm. that, they get quite weird. But the Silverbolt toy is actually quite show accurate, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, hugely so. And I think all of the toys from that that year are, you know, if you look at all of the Transmetals as well, Quick Strike, I think, is hugely hmm. cartoon accurate. Uh, again, the Takara version adds a little bit of extra paint on the eyes and things like that to br- kind of bring it even closer. Uh, but, you know, others like Rampage as well, Depth Charge, they're, they're, all, they're all kind of pretty spot on when you look at how they're portrayed in the cartoon, which is really, really nice. Um, but yeah, that that year of toys, I have to say, I've got a lot of time for. Silverbolt is one I actually had at the time as well. It's a rare Beast Wars toy I had at that time. And I just remember being completely baffled by how it transforms. And so it went in my brother's toy box. <laughs> I, I was just going to say about the transformation because it's hugely unique. And, and actually, again, like we were saying earlier, the show does have it transform in the same way, the character. But I think that's something that Beast Wars did really well as well, was that they had very unique transformations. And the way that the legs kind of fold down to the bottom of the body to become the robot mode legs is immense. You know, I've never seen anything like that on another Transformer ever since. So, uh, and I, when I got Silverbolt again recently, I got the um, the Takara Metals two pack with Rampage, um, and uh, yeah, I, I was still blown away by that transformation and how good it is. Yeah, it, it's it's fantastic now. Well, I do remember then it was one of the things. It was one of the many things that put me off Beast Wars at the time because it didn't feel like anything from G one that I'd ever picked up, and so it was almost an instant turn off. And the same time, oh. Even though I had other Beast Wars toys as well, there was just something about it that felt so different and alien almost. It, Hang um, on, what kind of time period would this have been? This would have been the late 90s. So not that long, so actually when it was released, and you bought it for yourself just to sort of buy no, no, no. A, a modern brother, Transformers toy? No, it was my okay. brother. He got it, and I remember having a go on it, and I was like, oh, it's exciting. It's a new Transformer, and then being like, you can have this, it's all right. <laughs> so your nan, didn't, your nan didn't buy you any Beast Wars? No, no, not at that time. She was too busy buying me football shirts. Right. That was that's that's what Leland Graham was doing at this time. 
I should tell but him about we... this podcast, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, I'm hoping we're going to get her on eventually. Oh my god, this is a woman who still thinks the the automated voice on the phone that tells you it's engaged is an actual person. So trying to explain what a podcast is is not going to go down well. Honestly, she shouts at it, and if you try and tell her, you're like, you know, it's a recording. And it's like you can actually see those words come out of your mouth and go around her head, not into her ears, and through a wall. It's like she's just immune to it. It's so bizarre. But yeah, does not like technology. Wouldn't know what a podcast is. Probably would ask if it came on vinyl. Why don't we? <laughs> we could we we could we could be on vinyl. That would be pretty. We, we pretty could cool. be vinyl tech. Oh my <laughs> Although, god. Although that actually, I read something. Uh... <laughs> oh, Transformers. I mean, that's the Japanese uh, way of saying it. Like, I've seen so many toys in it Japan listed Transformers yeah. vinyl With tech. Feet. We could be Transformers vinyl tech. With feet, that's it. That's amazing. I read something the other day, actually, uh, not to get too off topic, but about um, about... not to get too off topic, as in not to be exactly what Triple Takeover is every episode. Well, this is true. We've we've been remarkably on topic tonight, can I say? But um, no, actually, I read something saying that uh, actually vinyl. I'd never clocked this before, but apparently vinyl. There's a bit of a a kind of movement against it now because it's it's hugely, um, you know, obviously kind of expensive to produce Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, but also not very environmentally friendly. Um, and so actually people are now kind of saying, you know, moving back to CDs. So it's, I don't know, I, I need to read a bit more about it to kind of see what it's all about. But there's, I just read that there was a bit of a kind of anti-vinyl movement going on. Yeah, something to th- but, think about. But we can't talk about Takara Metals that you just brought up and not mention X9 Ravage. Ah, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Well, we, I think we're predominantly focused on the old um, Hasbro Kenner toy today, aren't we? But, but because yeah. it's in the show and it's such a major moment in the show, having Ravage with that accent, which works remarkably well, I have to I, say. I, I, do, I remember doing the watch through with you and um, I remember specifically the, the point in the agenda where Ravage appears and it's such a cool entrance as well, the way he just oh, kind of yes. glides down and turns visible i think it's immense i I love the whole backstory of like some of the decepticons were granted amnesty Mm -hmm. and and rebuilt as predacons i think it's it's great um they turned soundwave into a mini disc player i heard they understood the greatest of technology i've always said the decepticons were better Uh, but i think one thing that always struck me about ravage was the accent and uh i guess i was also fascinated to see what your reaction to that accent was going to be because i remember it hearing it the first time when i watched the show and being like whoa what is that you know so where did that come from this kind of weird russian accent that he's got because it's just not how i ever thought of the character but it does work for him it does yeah and he's he's so cool in it as well yeah and that's not because he turns into a cassette in that one scene i just thought he was brilliantly written in the show and uh, the toy looks pretty accurate to him as well. Yeah. The, do you know what? Considering that it's a, a heavy retool of Transmetal Cheetor, um, it works because clearly the animation model is also used, you know, uses Transmetal Cheetor as the base, you know, for the legs and whatever. So I actually um, hadn't noticed that. Yeah, I'd, I'd never really noticed at the time. It was only when I went back because of the toy and uh, and looked at it, I was like, oh, okay. But they they cleverly do it so that it's not obvious at all. Uh, I presume it's a cost-saving thing for the animators. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the toy is, is fabulous. Really, really nice. And it comes with some neat little stuff. So it's got like, um, it comes with a default sticker. So you kind of open the chest compartment and it's got a little sticker inside. 
Um, and then there's some optional stickers that you can put on there as well. So there's like a, there's a, the options are like a Predacon logo, Decepticon logo, I think, and um, like a little Megatron uh, kind of um, hologram, you know, like the one that you mm. see in the show, um, which is really, really quite cool. Um, so yeah, lots of little features in that. And I think, uh, I suppose the, the kind of obvious sign that the show was influencing the toy line as much as the toys were influencing the show, which is quite, you know, quite something. That's a toy from Beast Wars that I would love to own. I never will, but that's one I would love to see in a reissue form because it's. Yeah. I'd never really appreciated it until I saw your photos of it. And it was almost like being hit by a brand new toy. And it's just. Oh, mate. I, I was super lucky. I've, I've wanted that toy for years and just saw it pop up. And it was one of those where I knew sort of by the, you know, if not that morning, by the end of the day, it was going to be gone, you know, because mm-hmm. the price was just insanely good. Uh, you know, I'm not one to be like, oh, this is what I paid and whatever. But it was a very, very good price for that toy. And I just knew I had to pounce on it. And uh, and I did. And it's mine. So, pounce um, like a Jaguar. I, I knew, I knew yeah. that was going to come up. Yeah. But, uh, that was just, unintentional. But just on the accent as well, that's also really of its time, isn't it? The mid-90s, it's all XKGB, like GoldenEye and stuff. It's, it's all it's those kind of films, isn't it? Everyone's very over-the-top Russian accents. They're always the Secret Service agents. It's always... Yeah sort of the enemies of that that it, such a cool character to kind of give a redo to as well and can i yeah. say kind of clever because you know if they'd have if they'd have picked uh like a show speaking character from g1 it would have always been an imitation you know like they mm-hmm. did starscream and actually the voice actor that does starscream uh, was the voice actor that did pterosaur uh i think did an amazing job at doing starscream it has to be said i mean it was hugely um uh, what's the word for it? Hugely filtered and and kind mm-hmm. of you know whatever. But I still think they did a brilliant job. But I think the fact that they chose a character that didn't have a speaking role in the original cartoon saves that comparison. You know, you're not listening to it the whole time, going, "Oh, it doesn't quite sound like it used to." You know, mm-hmm. they they can get away with so much. So it's a really kind of clever move, I think, in many regards. Um, and I was going to say, you know, the the bit where he transforms into the tape. You know that they wanted to at that point have the original Transformers theme song playing. Um, the uh, and that was why they were going to have him kind of turn into the tape, go into the cassette drawer, and then blast out the the original theme tune as a kind of real yeah okay like wink wink to the fans. But they couldn't get the rights for the music, so um, oh, I think they're shame that. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit. Of, I think that's why a lot of people I've heard critiques of that saying, "Oh, it comes off as weird. Why does he transform into a tape?" But it's still cool. It's still a cool moment. I think. I think you've actually just broke my heart telling me that story. I think uh, that's another thing in the Beast Wars uh, cartoon that was significant. There was no problem about killing off characters, you know, and that happened yeah. regularly. And and you were talking earlier, Liam, about how cool it was that they were they had to return to Beast mode, otherwise they risk stasis lock. And that was so much a part of uh, Dinobot's ending as well. And like you know, you just had to override that um, internal mechanism that was going to revert to beast mode. You had to override it to carry on doing what he was doing, and of course, that was the episode that that he died in. So that was new for a Transformers show, I thought, and and was just handled really well. Except in the case of, I think it was Scorponok who was just basically just knocked off a platform. <laughs> you just yeah, saw him. him, him and Terrasaur. Yeah, they just efficiency. That's what that is. Yeah. It was it, that was very clearly a case of like, oh, we're not selling these toys anymore, so off they go. Uh, I guess what was weird was that Pterosaur had a new toy eventually. You know, he had a transmetal mm. toy, uh, Scorponok, uh, not. But um, 
hey ho, off they went. I don't think anybody missed Scorponok too greatly, did they? No. But uh, why did we get Liam a pterosaur? Is it just because it's a dinosaur? No, it's because it was one I really wanted. It was when we used to talk about which Beast Wars toys I was really wanted. That was always the top one. The ones I've never owned that I've always almost bought for some reason, but just never quite done it. So what do you think of it now? Oh, it's fantastic. It's one of those toys that, you know, you sort of had these expectations for years and it's almost going to be impossible for them to live up to it. But it actually turned out to be better because I wasn't expecting how it transformed at all. It was completely new to me. And that gun storage in the back of his neck. I was just going to say that gun storage on that toy is, is great. I mean, it's a, a real feature of the whole line. That was that was something, again, from G2 that had been, you know, in some toys, not all, but they made it standard and to their, to their credit. So I think it's great. But yeah, I love Terrasol. Yeah, that caught me by surprise. It was when I opened his head and it popped out by shooting across the room and then I had to go and find it. It just co- caught me by complete surprise that it was even there. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, what was that? But yeah, amazing toy. It's a great toy. And there was there was a blue redo, wasn't there, in one of the yeah, movie like, toy lines? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's been um, repainted many, many times over. There was a, there was another repaint, kind of bluish one in, in Beast Wars as well, Laser Beak, it was called. But it was, oh. it was Laser Beak. Uh, but I do feel that we should go back a minute and just acknowledge something before somebody is like screaming at their car stereo or whatever, because uh, he's not actually a dinosaur, uh, believe it or not, because uh, old uh, pteranodons, uh, pterodactyls or whatever, they're not actually dinosaurs. Uh, they're considered birds. Well, uh, is that right? e- evolutionary pre pre mm. uh, ancestor, if you like, of birds, um, as some dinosaurs are as well, I think. Um, but yeah, there they're, they're are different offshoots. So uh, pterosaurs generally are separate to dinosaurs, different species, uh, which is interesting. So Swoop is not a dinosaur either. Did you learn nice. that from your son's book? Uh, do you know, <laughs> I I have talked about it with my son. And actually, one of my... Uh, it was so funny. It came up recently. We, we were um, uh, briefly outside and chatting to my neighbor. And uh, he was telling her how, um, you know, pterodactyls and, and dinosaurs are not the same thing. And she just looked at me like, what? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's just like got that slightly nerdy thing going on with dinosaurs already, quite clearly. Beast Wars Transformers, battling beasts that transform into raging robots. So I guess one thing we do need to just kind of address, I guess, with Transmetals before we move on a little bit is the is the vehicle modes, because, you know, we haven't really talked about that yet. And... Uh, <laughs> the vehicle modes is a really fascinating one because I think people have different reactions to it. Some people really love it, and that is a, a hugely silly aspect of those toys and the the cartoon as well. And some people don't care for it as much. And I, I think even the cartoon tries to kind of lessen the silliness of it just a little bit at times. I mean, like if you look at um, Transmetal Megatron, you know, obviously he's a, a flying dinosaur, but he's got kind of these like hot VTOL hover jets on the side and he's got roller skates um and uh do you know i, I say that gone about the roller skates well, this is God. it because they they kind of stop using the roller skates after the first two episodes of it you know they're they're like uh what was it they first appear in aftermath and uh and they do really steer into it to begin with because they're like you know they have a whole like playing chicken thing between him and rat trap kind mm. of going at each other in their vehicle modes and um after a little fashion, you know, there's another scene of him kind of rolling around uh, on his roller skates or whatever. And then after that, they just get dropped completely, uh, I think, anyway. Uh, but yeah, the hugely silly aspects of some of those vehicle forms when you think about it. 
Um, I say that though, but then there are also funny scenes like you know Dinobot riding yeah, on top of Rat Trap. Exactly. And... Well, Dinobot riding Tarantulas in the Code of Hero is the one that stands out to me. Like, yeah, that's funny. Why, why does Tarantulas have that mode? You know, well, a, a spider bike. Yeah, it's it's a funny yeah, one. It? it reminded me of the of the Trotters Independent Traders van. You know, the Robin <laughs> Reliant. I'd buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. a that's a collaborative crossover just waiting to happen. There you go. The Reliant Robin. That would be I would buy that. Yeah. Paris, sure. Peckham, Rome, prehistoric yeah. Earth. Only rats and cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no rats and cats, no VAT. <laughs> you're you're right though. Most of the transmetal toys, they are ridiculous in their way i mean even the ones that weren't in the show uh you know uh i think i showed you a picture of uh was it pterosaur and you were like wow that is weird you know but it turns into a jet uh waspinator is also a jet um it's what's funny is that some of them are this is the bit that i never kind of got my head around some of them are clearly the beast mode with um upgrades i guess so like cheetor is a cheetor a cheetah with little jets so that he can fly but then you mm. get other transmetal uh, vehicle modes which are clearly meant to be vehicles so like waspinator although he's not in the show has an actual cockpit that flips out the front of his like mandibles and it's very clearly a cockpit with <laughs> like you what you would assume would be where someone would sit so that just throws in so many questions like what oh. size is this jet Dr. clone insecticon throwback well yeah yeah it is a little bit yeah there is a little bit of that, definitely. Uh, it's a very, very weird one, you know, and the, the wings and everything. And and he's very, that's one that's m- very much more like a pterosaur as well, is like clearly a third mode as opposed to a beast mode with bits popping out of it to kind of make it, you know, sort of um, roll along or whatever. Uh, so I, I, I feel like with transmetal modes, um, they're not, it's not hugely consistent in terms of the kind of theory of them, if you like, but it's just a bit of fun. I mean, they look incredible. I, I, I just have to give points for how much they look like the on-screen characters. I mean, that, yeah. that alone is, you know, concept aside, you know, they look like fun. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because you can see that now with, uh, you know, there's a third-party company that have started to make some of these designs in kind of masterpiece style um, uh, trans art. And they've done, um, they've done a very nice-looking Ravage, actually. I can't wait to get it in hand. They've done Optimus. They've done Cheetor. Uh, which I I haven't opened yet, but I have ready to review. And uh, the Optimus is fantastic, but what's very clear is that it's it's actually not that different from the original toy. Uh, I think actually when it first appeared, a lot of people assumed it was just an oversized KO of the of the original Transmetal toy, but kind of give them a bit more articulation, articulated hands, that kind of. That's stuff. Blue Optimus on the skateboard, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I must admit I struggled with that one a little bit. The bright shiny blue optimus on a surfboard definitely was uh like why is that a mode how has that happened you know it it was a funny one like like i really that was one that really stood out to me as i could deal with rap trap with wheels and flying cheetor and even vtol megatron dinosaur was kind of funny and and awesome but yeah optimus on skateboard uh, on them the surfboard surfboard was uh, was a it, tough one it, it is a weird one and it's i think actually that's the example that people cite more than any isn't it the off, the the gorilla on the surfboard because it's just such a even just saying that you know surfboard gorilla it's just such a funny <laughs> phrase it's like <laughs> what do you know like the that was a thing and you know i guess it's it, it's the the dichotomy of saying this is 
one of, if not the best bits of Transformers fiction from its near 40-year history. And yet for an entire season of the show, one of the main characters is a gorilla that flies on a surfboard. And somehow it, it kind of works. I don't know. But it's. I think it's with all of that, you just got to kind of steer into it. Does it though? I think it Does works. Does it though? <laughs> I think it works. It works. I'll tell you where it doesn't work. The uh, the Transmetals video game. I was playing that recently oh, yeah? and I selected this Optimus with the surfboard and there was 30 seconds where I couldn't figure out the buttons so I transformed into it and I'm just flying around in a circle around Pterosaur and so he's just transformed into his non-dinosaur mode and he's sort of just flying around there just shooting missiles and it's going on for about 34 seconds and I, I can't get out of this circle. I'm just going round and round and round and then I just rage quit. If that's not the most Liam story I've ever heard, I don't know <laughs> yes. what else is. Like, who else could have brought that content to this episode? <laughs> that's the Patreon. Liam plays. Many Twitch feeds. <laughs> yeah. Liam plays terrible Transformers games. <laughs> I I like the surfboard gorilla thing. I, but I will say I really like the blue on that toy. I think the blue that's is... That's really something. The blue is stunning. And you, um, you were telling me that there was like a purple variant of that as well, which leads to my, you know automatically how much did uh, beast wars lean into the whole you know uh, revered transformers tradition of repaints um yeah it did definitely i think um i think what it did do well is that it uh changed a lot of the toys when there were repaints so there's um not that much actually i guess coming off the back of g1 uh which was I mean there are virtually no repaints really in G1 are there? There's not a huge amount anyway. Um, I'm just trying to think now through the, through the line. I mean obviously stuff like Black Arachnia is a repaint of Tarantulas, um, which doesn't do the character any justice really in mm-hmm. terms of the original toy because it looks zero like the cartoon. Um, but you know so there are repaints there. Um, you know Botcon did a number of very uh, well known repaints. Uh, obviously, of, of some toys, there the black repaint of Inferno is Antagony is one that I've wanted since it was first unveiled uh, in 1997. I want to say it was. I could be wrong on that, but you know. So there, there are the Botcon ones, but so but even then, some of the repaints. So there's like um uh, there's Wolfang it was repainted into Canine. Uh, so it's kind of a wolf into, I think, supposed to be either like a German Shepherd or a dog of some sort. I'm not sure. But, you know, that actually has some retooling going on as well. So where there are repaints, they do sometimes get retooled a little bit. Probably the most obvious repaints, which are just out and out, I don't want to say like cash grab repaints, but like, hey, here are the same molds in different colors, were the Fox Kids ones, uh, which really kind of came a bit later. But uh, it was kind of all the classic characters if you like in just weird colors so like um and a lot of people have a lot of affinity for those toys and i think because of the age it's like that weird thing of um uh like with action masters in g1 you know where a lot of people uh the the classic characters they were never able to get in toy form so then the action masters became their optimus prime or whatever this was it with a lot of the fox kids repaints which came right at the end um, was that they were, you know, you got like Rhinox, but he was red and white instead of being green and brown. And for a lot of people, that was their Rhinox toy. You know, they just grew up with that Rhinox because they 
saw the show, but maybe they're a little bit too young to get the original toy. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. And so you still see now a lot of reverence for those Fox Kids repaints. A lot of people really like them. Um, so th- those would be the main ones for me, I think, in, in, in where it got like really repaint heavy. You were just mentioning like uh, Rhinox in white, and that reminded me of, I think it was Polar Claw that I asked about, because I know Liam has it. And I remember you showed me the pictures, the polar bear. So it opens up, and then it was just like all red, like yeah. almost top to bottom. I found that Santa, weird. Santa Claus, isn't it? Is also, that why you wanted it? You got you got me that for my birthday. You know, that this was with the pterosaur. I think this is a bit like when my wife buys something <laughs> for um, one of her siblings, and they thank me for the present because we've contributed and i'm like yeah yeah and i turned to my wife so what did we get him so how do you like your present that i was so completely aware of that we bought you (laughs) well after you put so much effort into it man (laughs) (laughs) i love it is is that's another toy which i've always wanted to get and i've like i've looked it's been in my ebay watch list for years and it's not even like it was difficult to get it's just i couldn't make that leap and there was just never a time where i you know felt like it but um yeah, actually getting a hand is incredible. The way it what, what made you want it? Dude's got a bat as a hand. Literally shoots a bat from his hand. A bat, an actual animal bat, or a like a tennis bat. Well, oh. animal bat. <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> if he's shooting a cricket bat out of his hand. <laughs> what was? I know what his history is with sport. Like, what is he getting? <laughs> here? Yeah, it's got. A, it fires David Gower at people. <laughs> <laughs> So why I, does um I'm why just does the now, polar bear fire a bat? I've just got to say I'm just now imagining what this episode would be like if I just kept quiet this whole time and just <laughs> you, you two back and forth going, is it a cricket bat? No. Like, we haven't man. even started talking about Magnaboss yet, mate. Let's see for that. Yeah. This episode it'd just be me going to Maz. Maz, have you seen that one where it like it turns into a child with wheels when it's like beast machines or something? Okay, so why was this um, polar bear firing a bat? Well, the, so the, the the mega toys in the first year had little um, spring loaded kind of cybernetic partner accessories. So Scorponok is the same. But so, like in the show, you know, Scorponok has his little cyber bee. I don't know if you remember that. He oh fires. yes, yes. That's from the toy. So the right. the toy uh, in, in his claws, in one of the claws, it has a gimmick. So one claw fires missiles, spring loaded, and the other claw has a little kind of splits apart and fires off and turns into a, a little cyber bee. Um, accessory and polar claw is the same thing so one of his front legs they kind of become um, almost like missile launchers on his shoulders don't they and like one of them turns into uh, a bat and one uh, fires uh, like this little arm claw thing out of it it's really neat as well because it's got that flipping head gimmick as well doesn't it it's got this whole yeah sort of crazy thing but yeah it's just it's just this whole red suit it's kind of like whenever you see santa claus in this like suspenders it's just got that look to it and it's just something it does it does. really really like oh. flipping head <laughs> i just thought he's got that flipping heck gimmick what was this flipping heck gimmick <laughs> i thought that's what you it's said got this a up mid up gimmick has it is this captain oh, dear, dear. Oh dear. <laughs> we've reached that point in the night haven't we i thought we <laughs> I thought we'd been remarkably on form considering Mate, the topic. It's two hours, 20 minutes. Give credit where it's due. You've done well. You've done well. If he hadn't mentioned the cricket bat firing <laughs> polar bear, we never would have ended up here. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Yeah, well, it's it's a fun toy. It's um, it's one, actually, that I prefer the mutant head on uh, rather than the normal head. 
because uh, the normal head has that weird fixed uh, smile grin thing going on that I'm not yeah. so keen on. Um, so I definitely prefer the mutant head on that one. I really want, again, another Botcon toy, the, um, what's it called? Uh, the, the Barbarian um, repaint. <laughs> as his face barbarian built barbarian is the oh my, re- god. oh my god yeah. that's amazing yeah yeah well just like antagony is the is the inferno repaint the black botcon inferno repaint barbarian oh, credit, credit yeah. roads to you those names are exceptional they're, they're exceptional but there's a lot of uh punny names in beast wars there's a lot of that baboom baboom yes I, I did read about that one that did make me laugh <laughs> Yeah, baboon. I, n- I nodded in appreciation for that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. That's a good we one. Couldn't have That's had a this good podcast toy. without mentioning him. <laughs> but isn't he one of the gorilla surfboard repaints? No, he's oh, he's okay. a he's a, a separate thing, all all his own. Uh, he's um, a very very cool toy, actually. Mega from the second year, uh, and uh, he's got like a little mohawk in his robot mode. It's very very weird, uh, but really love that toy. I noticed a lot of uh, the Beast Wars head sculpts had grimaces. You know, there was a lot yeah. of teeth. A lot of teeth. Yeah, a lot of teeth. And it really works on some of them, and it doesn't on others, frankly. So, like, Polar Claw is one. The the, the, the actual face, I'm not so keen on that one, personally. Um, and, yeah, some of them it is a bit much. But, um, I don't know, you just kind of, get a, kind of get into it. One thing about Beast Wars is that the aesthetic of it all shifts hugely from year to year, really. You can kind of... From the four years of that toy line, I I would say it's it's fairly obvious which year of the toys each toy comes from because you can kind of see in the evolution of it where it kind of sits. Does he really fire a bat? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he does from his hand, like just literally just popping what? off. I don't know why oh, this has tickled you. I wish I was in that meeting, honestly. Oh, they were having fun with it for sure. Excellent. That's Great. amazing. How how better to take out the, you know, Maximals than shooting a bat in some bloke's face? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Dracula coming at you. What's changing at McDonald's? Mega Tough Beast Wars Transmetals. You get one Transformers toy with each Beast Wars My Little Pony Happy Meal you buy. Only at McDonald's. All right, so I thought we could talk a little bit about the combiners, the beast combiners. Love to. Yeah. Well, they were the the first, uh, I think, the first uh, combiners that were released since the late uh, 80s, 89, I think it was, in in US and and Europe anyway, Uh, because there hadn't been any combiners, uh, new molds, I should say, in G2, just repaints. so I think, yeah, I think the the last ones, obviously they had been in Japan, you know, they'd had the six combiners and various other things, Land Cross. But, um, but yeah, so it was quite a big thing. And But they're three-person combiners. So I think, again, it's another where you can see the the DNA and the evolution straight to car robots with JRX and those guys. Uh, well, there would so, also have been a lot of brave DNA in that as well, wouldn't there, in things like JRX? Yeah, like quite J, probably. J Decker and, and things like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Brave stylistically hugely different in, you know, a lot more kind of latter day G1 in terms of the style, you know, big chunky robots, big feet, all of that. But yeah, I'm sure that, you know, uh, from an engineering perspective or kind of just an idea, maybe just the idea perspective, Hmm. that yes, you could, I'm sure you can see some of the influence because you're right. Some of the Brave toys, the way that they, uh, combination, huge thing in Brave, Uh, even just two robots coming together, all of that kind of malarkey. 
Um, but yeah, Beast Wars, it was a fairly underutilized thing, really. It's only the two, uh, you know, the two combiners. There are not even, I don't think, I'm just trying to wrap my brains now, not even any instances of like this toy just combines with that one, like, uh, you know, like Magnus and, and um, uh, Superfire Convoy from mm-hmm. RID, for example, or Car Robots. Uh, you know, there's, no, there's none of that even. It's just literally two combiners and that's your lot. Mm. Um, but they are great. They are really good. I remember being super impressed with Magnaboss when I first got it. Just like that, that's wow. not lobster legs, is it? That's not love. That's uh, no. That's Tripedicus. Uh, that's Tripedicus, who was in the show technically. Uh, they kind of appear, um, sort of. But uh, yeah, really, uh, f- both of them fascinating and just totally, totally unique. How do they kind of appear? I've seen the show and I. Genuinely can't remember it. But. Well, it's the Tripedicus Council, isn't it? That scene of those three guys in the uh, bathed in the red light talking about dispatching Ravage in um, in the agenda. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, they, they, the three of them appear, not in combined form, but they're... they're that would have been a really weird meeting. It would have been, yeah. <laughs> Let's combine. <laughs> they kind of... You can see that they give a bit of a nod to how the toys look, but it's very simplified, uh, but still really good fun. Would they have been featured in the show after the toys had been released? Would the toys have come first? Uh, that's a really good question. I guess the toys, yeah, the toys would have been out at the time. Um, I guess it depends on the lead time for making the show. Uh, but yes, given that at that point, yeah, they must have been. Because given at that point, uh, Transmetal toys had been on shelves the whole of 98 um, and then were in the show. Whereas actually, yes, Magnaboss and uh, Tripredicus were 97 toys. So yeah, they, they would have been for sure. So it's, it's a nice nod, I guess. They didn't have to do that. It wasn't really advertising the toy, but it was like a cool thing to include, I guess. Uh, but yeah, the, the toys are amazing. I have the, um, again, the Takara version of Tripredicus, which has the red lobster trousers, Maz, mm-hmm. which I've previously tried to tempt you with, you know, a bit of a, a Beast Wars lobster combiner. Um, just, just not interested if it's not bisque. Yeah, it specifically have to say bisque on the box. Well, it's lobster car gamer thing. It's just, it's just that very specific combination. Right. Okay. It's not just any lobster. I just want to kind of see where we stand no, on this. No, it's like polar bear firing a bat levels of madness, which appeals, which is why now, like, I have to go and check out this polar claw like in detail. Okay. Fair enough. I did, I did have another question, and it's yeah. a silly question, but I do want to know. Is there actually, across all of the Beast Wars line, a man in a pig? Yes. Which one's the man in pig? Razor Beast. I really didn't expect that to be a yes. <laughs> <It's> a, a, <laughs> and what's funny is that every time we've joked about man in pig, I have always had Razor Beast in my brain. Every time. So Razor Beast in his beast mode looks pretty much exactly like, I forget from The Lion King, is it Timon or Pumba, the 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 warthog thing is it pumba yeah it looks exactly like razor beast looks exactly like pumba from the lion king it's that it's that same type of pig essentially um but yeah he's does he fire a ferret (laughs) no 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 no, no, nothing like that but no he's he's a he's a one of the very early beast wars toys from the first from the first year of uh beast wars toys uh he's a flip changer very cool toy really nice head sculpt i'll send you a picture Right, so I've just sent you a picture, Maz, uh, of Razor Beast. There you go. That's him. That, that is man in... Why is he holding a wig? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a hairy chest. 
That's, he does. That's his gun. He's holding his gun. So his gun is like, it's a bit like a wig, I guess. It's like it comes off and then the gun folds out. So he's got a wig it's, on. That's it looks he's like he's, he's scalped someone. <laughs> he scalped himself. They didn't call him like toupee or something like that. Toupee. <laughs> toupee or not toupee. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, so he's a flip changer, but the so the I'd forgotten about the, the weapon storage for that one actually. But yeah, the, the the wig essentially comes off, the gun folds out, and then the rest you pull the tail and the whole thing just unfolds I'm just, like that. I'm just picturing him as Pumba now. It's, <laughs> it's literally turning like Pumba. Into that, holding his scalp. You know. Yeah, it it would be, but I love the idea of crossover potential. I just love the idea of like a Lion King animation right. where just suddenly Pumbo is just like maximize and just transforms and it's Razor Beast. I don't know. He rips <laughs> off his wig. <laughs> yeah, he just rips off his wig and the rest of the characters are like, what? He's just like, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs> I think Maz has just died. It's finally seeing Man and Pig realized. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's it. That's- Yep. So this whole time you've been like man and pig, and actually there is one. I just thought you knew. No, I mean, I knew that uh, Beast Wars got pretty mental as it went on. Like Heinlad, you know, is yeah, something yeah. I, I know about, which I, which I thought was hilarious that he turned up right at the start of Car Robots, which was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Stampy and all the rest of it. But yeah, no, I didn't know there was actually a man and pig. I think the whole time I've been thinking of like Pretender Snarler, which is actually pig and pig. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's but that is that's man turning into pig and pig, isn't it? Yeah. That's <laughs> that's like its own thing. <laughs> anyway, it's like Russian nesting man and pig. But that's yeah. that's a good point actually about the pretender beasts because that's organic as well, Prete- yeah. organic beasts. But yeah. Anyway, we've kind of done that whole discussion, haven't we? But just an interesting point. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it, it's funny you say about Beast Wars getting out there because actually that Razor Beast toy is year one, and that's you know already and and you're right about the japanese toys that they got really out there uh, i would say actually the japanese toys are cool because they brought a lot of beasts that we'd never seen so like there is a giraffe, giraffe. wow the one yeah. the one that everyone thinks of i love that toy long rack penguin I have, I have it i was gonna say penguin yeah absolutely there's a rabbit you know there's all kinds of stuff it's mad i find that stuff genuinely appealing like i've yeah, honestly yeah. thought about buying a long rack or yeah. Long yeah, like, great for my daughter, or, or get the penguin, or or Stampy, and yeah. I want hide lad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there, uh, there is actually a there is a, a Razor Beast repaint as well from from that series. Uh, although it's one of the most GPS prone toys in the history of Transformers, it's one that you just basically can't own because it will shatter. And uh, uh, is it still a pig? It's still a pig. It's straight up repaint, just in gold plastic. It's like so a it's, gold plastic Razor Beast. So it's Schrodinger's man in pig. If it's gold plastic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Getting all philosophical now, man. Hey, man, we have to bring that intelligent chat. <laughs> yeah. What, is that what we're doing? Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think there are tons of fascinating um, uh, Takara Beast Wars toys. I, I would love to get some more of them, actually. I remember I had a mate, not the same mate, another mate, who had some of the Japanese ones back in the day. Uh, and he had Long Rack and he had loads of them. And uh, they were Really great to see. Uh, I love long rack. What's in? What's really kind of uh, cool about some of those is that they have that asymmetry as well. So you know, long rack again is a good example. Uh, a number of them are hugely asymmetrical, just like the Transmetal Two toys from '99. 
uh, which was clearly a big thing. But yeah, Takara really went for it. But I think you've, you've kind of got to do a whole other chat on the Takara Beast Wars mm. line because it just shoots off in its own direction. And of course, they start yeah, bringing so. in G1 molds and, and G2 molds even, you mm. know, and re-releasing them. So it's just kind of its own bag by that point. Uh, whereas, of course, with, uh, you know, Hasbro, um, I guess I guess you can just say Hasbro by this point because I don't even know that it was still Kenner at this stage, actually. I'd need to check. But uh, yeah, I think it was nineteen ninety eight. You said that. Um, I, th- I that think that finished. Yeah, I think so. They just kind of, uh, but by this point as well, they'd become a bit more comfortable with it being Transformers. You know, so it kind of um, Transformers title and everything. Although it had always been there, it had never really gone away. They kind of lent back into a bit more of like, well, this is Transformers now. Um, it made me and really yeah. sad because I obviously love Kenner, so it just kind mm. of it always makes me sad to think of the demise. You know, because they did all the Jurassic Park stuff and. Yeah, all like, the Batman toys and Star Wars and things, and it's just mask, mask, yeah. But it's really with Beast Wars that it ends, isn't it? Because it's during that time when Hasbro just shut them down. It's yeah. so sad. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. But yeah, then then came Transmetal Twos, which was, uh, I guess, again like another evolution. Very weird toys. Um, like really, the designs are out there, so they're like a mesh of uh, organic. So like Transmetal. Transmetals, the thing was that it was like an organic robot mode, although that's kind of a bit of a contradiction in terms, and then a, a sort of metalized beast mode. So mm. it's kind of flipping the original concept on its head. Whereas Transmetal 2s were just like a sort of mutant amalgamation of the, the two, just kind of literally kind of swishing them together. So you, you'd get like majorly organic bits kind of running through, kind of meshed in with mm. robotic bits. So really kind of cool idea. Um, I love the toys, got to say, really, really love the toys, uh, but they are out there. You know, stuff like Transmetal 2 Scourge is just bizarre. It's like this kind of big insect with just huge legs and just all kinds of colors. It's really like an immense looking toy. Uh, Really, really very cool. Um, But, you know, stuff like Cheetor, I don't think was such a great toy personally. But again, just like a real weird take on the character. Um, I'm actually looking for a Transmetal 2 toy right now. Oh, yeah? One, I'm looking for a Gale Shark, you know, a car with uh, Gale Shark, which of course is Cyber Shark, Transmetal 2 Cyber Shark. It is. So that's a toy that's, uh, I mean, that's really, that's some beast mode, isn't it? Yeah. I, and it's a great example of what they did at that point was that, you know, the molding on those Transmetal 2 toys is insane. Like, I genuinely don't think that there are many Transformers toys that can legitimately claim to be as detailed in terms of the molding and paint applications as those Transmetal 2s because they they went full out. You know, there's no bit replicated. So like Cybershark, Shark is a great example. You know, just looking at the detail of that toy along the side, it's one of those that you can hold it in your hands and just like, just appreciate the the level of effort that's gone into it. And then the paint applications, particularly on Shark, I will say they really stepped it up for car robots. But even on the original... Uh, you know, the paint applications and everything and the chrome, just really, really quite something. They are almost like little mini so, works. So works looking up. forward to that. Really yeah. looking forward to that. Or even it. just Skybite, you know, I just, I would, because uh, I mean, that's that's a very funny situation because obviously that character, it, it was like a flying shark that turned up in a series called Car Robots, yeah. which was mega bizarre to start with. Then he starts spouting haikus and, you know, became the comic relief and has, you know, this really bizarre robot mode as well, but it became such a funny specific character. And, you know, and that's where this roundabout route that my interest comes from 
and now it's to the point where I'm appreciating, like you're saying, this incredible metallic uh, shark mode, this beast mode, and, and realizing that it originated all the way over here. So it's it's a really roundabout route of appreciation, yeah. but it's I, still I guess, appreciation. Yeah, I guess it's one of those weird examples where it's it's not actually the the original character that kind of got the focus, you know, because obviously with Skybike, Girl Shark, you know, the, the, it, he was a repaint. And yeah, he's the one, I guess, now that is the kind of most famous because Cybershark is just a bit of an, a no-name by comparison. But uh, the original, I do think the Girl Shark color scheme is better, i got to say, because mm. the original is nice. You know, it's kind of green and blue and it's colorful, but I, I prefer the uh, the Girl Shark colors for sure. Um, but but all of those Transmetal 2s, I finally, uh, just this last year, uh, fulfilled a lifelong ambition of owning two more Transmetal 2 toys that I'd never had before. So one was Black Arachnia. Um, and uh, I did a bit of a video on her and uh, just insanely pretty toy again just the level of detail on that beast mode you know little uh, so it's again it's like a real amalgamation of, of beast stuff mechanical stuff all meshed in together so you've got little kind of sp- sections of like spider hair you know like hairy sections which are quite creepy actually uh, and then uh, eyes and things like that and then you've got other sections which are like jagged bits of uh, you know, vacuum metalized metal uh, kind of looking, you know, plastic just kind of meshed in with it. It's really very cool. Ugly as sin, but also kind of beautiful. Uh, mm. So very, very strange toy indeed. Um, and uh, notorious for other reasons, that toy as well. Do you want to go into that? Uh, I guess you kind of got to, got to don't you? It, it, was, it was known at the time that um, the toy has a bra, essentially, um, which is glued on in place. But the there was a, uh, so it was a running change because the very first toys of it, uh, you could remove the bra because why not? You know what I mean? That's uh, that's a gimmick, isn't it? For appropriate gimmick for a toy line. Um, but yeah, the, it, what I guess what was really weird about it was that um, the show animation uh, took the non-bra version as the inspiration. So actually in the show, she effectively is is you know has the no bra or whatever. Not that you would really think about it because you know it's not like an obvious point. But yeah, just a weird situation all around that. Um, but yeah, then eventually, it, it, I remember it at the time being something that was quite controversial. Uh, it's just a very weird decision for them to make, I guess. Um, and it's a shame because it's a great toy, and it, it's just kind of a bit overshadowed by that kind of legacy, if anything. Um, but just one of those oddities. But yeah, I also uh, recently picked up Megatron as well. They, they finally picked up the Transmetal 2 Megatron. I'd had the blue uh, Cryotech repaint from Robots in Disguise for many, many years and loved it. But I'd never owned the red uh, Beast Wars version and finally fulfilled that ambition and could not be happier with it. In- insanely good toy. Pretty fantastic looking figure, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember at the time when they made Megatron a dragon, it being a bit like, whoa, you know, that's that's a departure. But also it kind of felt like a just a very cool idea. Like he's been a T-Rex. Where where are you going to go from that? How are you going to deliver something that's that tops that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and definitely there was an element. I'd say that's possibly a critique you could level at Beast Wars. The cartoon and everything was, was an element of... Um, the stakes just kept getting a bit ridiculous to some extent. Like you start relatively simple, but you know, characters keep getting given new bodies because there's new toys to sell. So like mm. Cheetor and Optimus and Megatron all go through three bodies in the space of three seasons, which is a bit mad. Um, but yeah, it, it made it fun all the same. So 
Uh, and of course, yeah, Optimal Optimus as well. So, which is that's a toy I really want to talk about because um, I remember seeing the the third party version of that that came out a couple of years ago. Was it and, what, Perfect Effect? Or? Right, which which yeah. looked incredible. And then obviously you saw the cartoon, thought that was a really really cool evolution for him. And now I'm looking at the the original vintage toy, electronic. And uh, thinking, well, that might actually be a really cool thing to own. And, you know, that has a cockpit. That's got a vehicle mode and a, and a flight mode and a robot mode and ape mode. You know, it's just, uh, it, it looks like an incredible toy, is it? I think so, yeah. I think it's it's a, it's one that a lot of people remember very fondly. Uh, actually, funnily enough, Paul, you mentioned him earlier, Paul Hitchens. I remember being in his shop, the Space Bridge shop uh, down south in the UK. And he has uh, an Optimal Optimus just kind of hanging behind the um uh, the sort of counter in his shop it's quite funny i don't know why i thought of that but uh, yeah i think it's a great toy honestly i think it's it's insane to look at i have i don't have it actually now uh, i sold my original uh, and it's one i will own again i do have the primal prime repaint of it so it's it's like in optimus prime colors which i also think is insanely uh, lovely but yeah i think so i think all four modes are decent um i think you know, they even like the gorilla mode and everything. There's there's a real presence to it. The robot mode's good. It's very cartoon accurate. Uh, it was the first. Um, you know, like is it in a way his his robot mode head looks more like his season one head. You know, the the original mm-hmm. Ultra head, but with the mouth. And I think they did that justice. Um, the articulation on it's very good. Uh, no ankle tilt, which you know you would assess by modern standards, but at the time mm-hmm. it wasn't a thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a solid toy. I think, you know, all four modes, it's a lot of fun. It's got gimmicks to it. Just, you, you're going to shoot yourself in the eye at some point. That's the only thing. This is one I actually had at the time as well. And yeah, it was fantastic. And it almost got me into Beast Wars because it felt so more familiar to me, you know, with it having like a real sort of Cybertronian jet mode and that sort of stuff. And I know I said earlier that my grandma never bought me any Beast Wars toys, but being reminded of this, I, it just occurred to me that she actually bought me this toy. There uh, we go. Liam's grand strikes go. again. Old Nana soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Here's that swoop you wanted, mate. <laughs> he's a dinosaur. Did you know he's not actually a dinosaur anymore? <laughs> That's what she said. But no, this was completely out of the blue. Like I wasn't buying Transformers or anything at this I thought time. That was an impression of me there for a minute. I was going <laughs> to say. The impression of your butler, that's what that was. Oh, right. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, completely out of the blue. Just one day, she just it just turned up. And um, yeah, and it was one of those moments where I opened it and looked at it, and my kind of eyes kind of like wrinkled a little bit. I was like, oh, these falls. And then once I opened it, I was like, oh, this is pretty great. And then lost all the pieces and gave it to a charity shop. Uh, but Liam, didn't you see it? it said electronic on the box? Did you not see that part in a very 80s style Digiface font? Did you miss that? It's even got a grid pattern underneath the little drawing of him on the box. It's funny because now you say it, I can actually visualize it. But at the same time, she'd bought me a new forest shirt. So this was less exciting than the... the That's what I mean. Can we just get a clarification on something? Are you saying then that your grandmother didn't buy you Transformers toys for the whole first two, nearly three years of Beast Wars, she completely skipped all of those toys, knowing that you did like Transformers, but then Optimal Optimus comes out, and she's like, yeah, I'll get this one, completely unprompted, therefore implying somehow 
that she had assessed the toys and their aesthetic and decided that this toy felt a little bit more familiar to the toys from your childhood and therefore might be an appropriate gift. Is that the level of dedication and observation? I'm telling you, it's the grid pattern on the box that did it. It's the grid pattern on the box. Yeah, that's what it was. It was the The, electronic. That's it. There must have been something that she looked at that box and went, he'll he'll like that one versus all the the, rats and cats and everything that had come before. (laughs) Wow. Wait, when you put it into such depth, I never actually thought of that. I just assumed she'd seen it on a shelf on the way out of a shop on sale or something. And uh, I'll have a bit of that. But you know what but, I mean? Uh, why, why, why that toy and not well, any of the previous Beast Wars She's probably toys. got a loft full of years one, <laughs> two, and three Beast Wars that she's never <laughs> dared give him. <laughs> Imagine. She's got an entire sealed collection of these things. Vintage right, yeah. Beast Wars toys just sat there. She'd probably be like, I had to send up an exterminator because there's like little pteranodons and all these sort of things. <laughs> and tiny gorillas running about. But, Mate, uh, you, should, you should, all joking aside, you should ask her if she's got any vintage Transformers toys just tucked away that she never gave to you. That Scorponok you never got. Yeah. yeah, she might have the whole stash. I'd, I'd ask her, but I'd probably get some story about how someone keeps putting stuff in a bin outside that, that's that's probably where that conversation ends up <laughs> so just to sort of move towards wrapping this up um why don't you guys tell me what your favorite beast wars toys are if you could pick maybe one or two or three absolute favorites from the line. And obviously, Liam, in your case and my case, I guess we could talk about toys that we'd want to own that we don't. So, Sixo, do you want to start us off? Yeah, happy to. Um, I guess the one that springs to mind first of all that we haven't really talked about too much, only kind of briefly, is is Rampage, which is going to be, I'm sure a lot of people are going to groan when they hear that because it's kind of an obvious one, just because he's I mean, he's a very cool character anyway. I like that with with the character, just talking about the character briefly, I like that they had him initially as like your typical classic intimidating bad guy, but then they did something different with him, like straight off the bat, second episode he's in, transmutate, and, you know, they kind of subvert expectations with him a little bit because actually he does have a heart and he's not just like a a senseless baddie and all of that. Um, But he does have that kind of cruel streak to him. And yeah, it's a very, very cool character. But yeah, the toy is immense absolutely immense so it's one of the toys that really kind of gets the whole concept of transmetals best because it's very clearly a robotic crab mode and the crab is huge i mean the size of the claws alone i remember bringing it to the pub once actually um and people that had not seen it in years or never seen it were just like whoa you know because it was just the the size of it is incredible the legs look amazing it stands on its own it's really really good crab mode um and then it turns into a tank um i was going to say actually and the other thing with the the kind of whole transmetal concept is that when it transforms into the robot the robot mode is very clearly organic so it's like organic crab uh chest which doesn't appear uh, or much of it anyway in the uh, in the beast mode. So you get like a whole kind of section of the crab which only exists in robot mode. It's kind of like almost like it's been deshelled a little bit. It's a bit weird, but I think it really really works to my eye, and it's very very cartoon accurate on the whole. The only real deviation between it and the cartoon is that some of the beast mode legs end up on his arms instead of on his backpack. Um, but then it has the tank mode, which I got to tell you, I distinctly remember seeing that tank mode in toy form for the first time in my hands and 
it's just one of those experiences that will never leave me in terms of toy collecting. It's just so, so fun. It has actual working rubber treads, which is just brilliant. Honestly, brilliant. And uh, just love everything about that toy. Big fan of Depth Charge as well. Uh, obviously came out at the same time. Uh, let down slightly by a very, very big backpack on that toy, but the the Beast Mode is one for the ages. Honestly, just absolutely insanely good uh, Manta Ray mode. Um, and again, a really lovely looking toy, uh, got to be said. I think some of the, the the real big toys are just real events as well. Like there's some really nice ones. I mean, again, Magnaboss, love it. Can't wait. I've got two thirds of it at the moment. Uh, really trying to track down a Lyo Jr. Uh, currently. So that's a, that's a real favorite. Uh, you know, again, Tarantulas, Transmetal Tarantulas, we mentioned. Uh, absolutely love that one as well. I mean, um, that's a cool. That's a cool beast mode, Manta Ray. That's yeah. That's, that's cool. It's it's very different as well. Um, and he I remember fires actually, things, doesn't he? Has a firing gimmick. He does. Yeah, he's got like a disc gimmick, a little bit similar to like G two Laser Prime. Actually, mm. uh, you this is actually another one top. I had. This this show's revealing all sorts to me. Like, there you I completely go. forgot. Uh, it's got a little. What is cool is his gun. Uh, features in the cartoon as well. It's like a little um, drone, almost like a little shark drone. Uh, and he does use it in the cartoon. He kind of fires it off to go and search underwater for him and things like that. But it's, that's very cool. Uh, but um, I think uh, interesting about the show actually with Depth Charge. I think I'm sure at the time, I remember that water had been a real problem for them, and that you know they they weren't sure how to do water in terms of the animation. Oh, mainframe. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it was around that time where anything you know certain textures are obviously easier to animate than others and like metal happens to be one that's quite comparatively easy whereas water was always a real challenge and i think it was around that time where actually the the technology was kind of updating every day uh, hence why you know season two looks better than one three looks better than two but uh, yeah it was only when they got to season three that they realized how to do it and that's why you've got a couple of underwater episodes and you've got uh, depth charge in it at all because I think it was kind of down to the wire of like, could mm-hmm. we make it happen or not? And that's why there are virtually no underwater scenes. I think they wanted to include Cybershark originally, but they couldn't get the underwater looking right. So they abandoned the idea. I'm glad, actually, because if we'd gotten Cybershark in Beast Wars, there's a chance we wouldn't have gotten him in Car Robots or Very likely. ID. Very likely. But I mean, in terms of underwater shots, they just needed to do what Liam did and put like a, a blue shirt down. <laughs> and they just like <laughs> fake grass stuck to it or something. That's all they needed to do. Mainframe, if you need an expert, I'm always available. <laughs> I've still got the shirt. You can borrow it. I'll tell you. I was going to say, do you prov- you come with the shirt? <laughs> yeah. It comes with a little Pyrex dish. <laughs> Why is it still in there? Have to provide their own water. So, Liam, your favourite Beast Wars toys? Uh, mine are quite easy. It's going to be, obviously, Pterosaur, because he's fantastic. And Optimal Optimus, because that is a real top-tier toy, even... No matter what era of toys you like, that is just a fantastic toy. I'd quite like to get the... They did a Power of the Primes version. I don't know if you ever saw that. I would, yes, would quite like to I get did. that. But um, there are some toys I would like to get. So Long Rack, because he's absolutely nuts. The bonkers toys. appeals to me on every level. Um, yeah, and the BotCon exclusive Megatron from 2006. That is that oh. still really costly? Because I remember it went through a phase of being obscenely expensive. I assume so. I just kind of all that the botcon stuff from that time is particularly Beast Wars, I'd imagine, because that whole set's pretty cool. But yeah, I'd quite like to own that. There's so many from Beast Wars. I'd actually quite like to own the more X Nine Ravage. Or there's yeah, mm. lots, lots yeah. and lots. 
I think for me, in terms of wants, it would definitely be a couple of the botcom ones. Antagony would be very high up that list for sure. Oh my gosh! Sorry, the other one. There's one I would want to own for the royalty. Inferno. Inferno. Mm. Yeah. It's a cool I, toy. Just, just the original Inferno. Yeah, yeah, and it's because I came really close to buying one in 1998. I, I was in a game shop in a little horrible town called Pickering. It's where they used to film Heartbeat. But uh, I was, yeah, Nick Barry was always swanning around, you know, him and old Greengrass. <laughs> These guys, but yeah, they had this little uh, computer exchange it was called, and I used to go and trade games all the time. And um, I remember that's where I got into Beast Wars a little bit because they had the Beast Wars game on the PlayStation, which I never knew existed. But it came with an Inferno. But um, after trading some games in, the guy just let me have the game rather than with the toy because I wasn't that bothered about it. And I've always regretted it. I've always regretted it because the game was terrible. And I imagine the toy would have been way better. It's a cool toy. It's one that um, struggles a little bit with the joints because the joints are clear plastic in some cases. Um, And so I think you can get a little bit of damage on that. But also they loosen off a little bit over time. So I think it's quite difficult to get it to stand properly in ant mode. But still, I mean, it looks great. Definitely. Yeah. And he's fantastic in the show. It just it just lights up every yeah, yeah, scene yeah. he's in because he's just so mad. Yeah, it's a very unique character, like one yeah. that uh, that you just never never be done again, really. No. What about you, Mez? Ah, oh, well, um, I have owned the original Optimus Primal, and I thought that was fantastic. Like, I really, really enjoyed that toy, and uh, it was funny because I was just borrowing it. Um, it was one of those toys that Paul would give me and say, "Just try and hate this." And it started with um, Prime Wheeljack. And I ended up with about like 15 of those in the end with all the repaints and knockoffs. And the other one was uh, this Primal. And, and I gave him back the Primal eventually, but it was a, a really fun toy. I'd really like to own the um, Optimal Optimus. That does look cool, if not just for the box. I mean, that looks fantastic. And uh, yeah, Long Rack was a good shout because it's a giraffe. You know, a, the, be- the, the best thing is... A giraffe format. Have you, have you seen the little tongue gimmick that it's got? No. <laughs> he's got a little sticky out tongue and and he actually can he can actually stick his tongue out like that a little gimmick uh that's that's great i mean that is only helping its cause yeah. just selling it isn't it yep and uh i guess a rodent that has a, a clock embedded in its gut and a pair of testicles has got to be investigated right <laughs> are you still talking about beast wars at this point or just in general isn't yeah. that hind- <laughs> um, and i think yes. um now, there was one more I thought I would be quite interested in in owning, but uh, it escapes me at the moment. But uh, yeah, th- those would definitely be ones that I'd, I'd consider buying. That's a good list. Well, maybe maybe we'll have to come back and do you know some more Japanese Beast Wars stuff another day and kind of get into it because there's so much to say on that score um, and some really fantastic toys as well. Uh, some of which I'm, I've only experienced for the first time now, you know, like Galvatron and things like that I'd never owned before. Uh, but that's like a whole other topic, as I say. Beast Wars! New Giant Megatron! New Giant Tigerhawk! Triple the might! Triple the terror! Without change, there is no victory! New Megatron and New Tigerhawk, each sold separately! Well, that's all we've got time for this episode. We've uh, deep-dived to the depths with Beast Wars, and uh, obviously we've just done the Hasbro Beast Wars, but... You know, if there's anything you think we missed, please, you know, get in touch with us. Drop us a message on social. We are at triple underscore takeover on Twitter and Instagram and at triple takeover on Facebook. So, you know, just pop onto social and let us know what you think. Um, Sixo, where can our followers find you on social? 
I'm at 6OTF on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Liam? I am at Toybox Soapbox on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a website, toyboxsoapbox.com, which I'm probably going to update at some point. And yeah, basically anywhere. Yes. And you can find me uh, at TF Square One, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And thanks again to all of you who have left great comments and feedback on social media. We read them all and are hugely grateful for them all. And a few more shout-outs for lovely five-star Apple reviews to, uh, I think it's Ajax Ranger, could be Ajax Ranger, Blue Ridge Fox, TFG1 Mike. And be sure to join us again for the next episode in two weeks as we return to our usual fortnightly schedule. Now you know, knowing is half the battle. Oh, 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 oh,